What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Keeping It 100, the podcast where I, Emmett Watkins Jr., also known as DJ Spongex1, on all corners of the internet, will go through my top 100 games of all time. Uh, welcome back to another episode. This is going to be episode five, I believe. And we are right now, we're at the halfway point, And today we're going to sort through 50% sorted to 60% sorted, which officially means we're getting towards the... Uh, second half of the podcast, and I do have some plans for how I'm going to end this show, um, but we can talk about those a little bit more detail at the end of the podcast. I'll give a little bit of what I'll tell you guys a little bit of what I'm doing because some of it's going to involve you guys directly, um, but the rest of it, I'll, I'll hold some cards to my chest for the very end so we can have some surprises there. But yeah, welcome back, guys. It's been an interesting week. <laughs> it's it's just been another weird week of, you know, this new world we're living in and me still having to work during it. And we a lot of us got our stimulus checks. So, you know, got, got a couple things here and there, but I, I'm trying to sit on a lot of it because, you know, t- with times uncertain as this, you want to make sure you have all your stuff handled and you have every backup plan possible or necessary. So that's really what I'm just trying to do, just trying to sit on things and trying to just trying to make sure everything's, you know, in a stable place as far as my family and myself. Um, but in any case, hope everyone is doing well on their side of things. Hopefully all you guys are good. Hopefully all you guys are safe. If you got a stimulus check this past week, hopefully you're not spending it all in one place. Um, hopefully you are, you know, feel free to get one or two things that you might not need, but please keep that money for when you actually need it. Um, Lord only knows if we'll be getting another type of uh, stimulus thing. I know we only got a one-time check, but in almost every other developed country in the world, they're getting, you know, a certain amount of money every month for the duration of this thing. And America should step up and do something like that too, but we know how the government can sometimes be, especially right now. So Lord only knows if that'll happen. So like I said, please sit on as much of that as you can. Um, But that's enough of me getting on my high horse or whatever. Um, we're going to go ahead and hop into these games. So like I said, we ended on 50% sorted. So we're on battle 222. And the first matchup is going to be Red Faction Gorilla. Ooh, Red Faction Gorilla versus Gears 5. Now, this one is going to be interesting. Actually, I, I, I say that a lot. Oh, this one's going to be interesting. Um, but this one isn't hard at all. This one's going to go to Gears 5. I love me Red Faction Gorilla. I love that destruction tech and everything. But Gears 5 was just, it captivated me due to its graphical fidelity just being amazing. Artistic, artistic design just being great. The gameplay always being satisfying and fun throughout in a way where when, when I first heard that Gears of War 5 was going to go into a more open world type of design, I didn't know how I would feel about that. But Gears 5 has proved to me, who sorry, Gears 5 has proved to me that Gears of War 5 can go into a more open world route and still be plenty fun, still be plenty impressive graphically, still do all the stuff that I liked in the other Gears games leading up to it. Um, and actually, Gears 5 is my favorite Gears of War game because of all those daring um, offshoots that it did with its uh, gameplay design and whatnot. 
So yeah, Gears of War 5 is really good. So it's definitely going to win this. Now, the reason I'm going to drag this conversation out just a little bit is because I realized, wait, I need to be recording the screen because that's actually just to give you guys a little bit of a heads up on how this show is made. So I do, I use this website where it just sorts between you know, each game one by one through the whole list of 100. The thing about the website is it doesn't save anything. So if I'm ever to, you know, if I'm ever to close the tab, it doesn't save any of my progress during the sorting. So in order to make it easier on myself, I also record my screen while I'm doing the selection. Um, and that helps it so I can just skip through and see, okay, I click the left one, I click the right one, I can just go very quickly there. Um, but I wasn't recording the screen. <laughs> so I needed time to do that. So I just kept talking until I could get my Streamlabs open and get the video going. Um, so now that that video is going, um, I'm going to go ahead and select Gears 5. Um, yeah, it takes, you guys would be surprised how long it takes. It takes about an hour of preparation for every time I get on this podcast, might record one of these episodes because I have to go back, listen to the old episode, click through it so I know the choices. I write down the choices in a Google Keep uh, note, and then I have a I have a list of all 224 of these battles so far, um, and I write them down on that list. And then once I've watched that whole video and I've seen all the choices for that episode, I close the video. I open up Biosorter. I have to copy the exact the exact page of all of the different games in the list. So all 100 of those games, I have to copy them and put them into bias order in the exact same order as last time. And then after that, I have to just look through that whole list of my choices and see who won and pick them all over again. Now, of course, it takes a lot faster doing it this time because, you know, there's no agonizing over it. I'm just copying what I wrote down. But just doing all those steps usually takes about an hour. Um, so yeah, it is... It's a lot. It is pretty intensive. And I've tried just keeping the tab open, but like, you know, that's not always viable. A lot of the time the tab will close or something will go wrong and I have to restart it over. So I've just gotten in the habit of doing this uh, system every single time I record. Um, and it's not too bad. It's not too bad. So um, I say all that just to say Gears 5, I'm going to pick you over Red Faction Gorilla. So yeah, Gears of War 5. There you go. Battle number 225. Um, Red Faction Guerrilla versus Little Big Planet 2. Huh. Now, I like Red Faction Guerrilla a lot, but I think I'm gonna have to put LBB, Little Big Planet 2, above this one. Just because that, that narrative, or not narrative, the single player campaign did really grasp me back when I was a kid. Or I guess I wasn't really a kid when this came out. This might have came out, what, 2011, a show? So I was maybe mm, nine years in the past. Okay, I was like... 15 so i'm kid-ish um but yeah little bit planet 2 still did hit the spot at that age and it really really um it, it really I, i'm trying to avoid saying the words I always say because i always say captivated i always say you know very similar phrases so i'm trying to avoid that because we're on the fifth episode and let's get a little bit of variety here in our words but yeah little bit planet 2 definitely did get me back in the day and i like that campaign a lot those uh and all of the player created levels that are online um, those were cool as well, but honestly, it's a single player that makes Little Big Planet 2 stand out to me. Um, that single player was just so, so excellent, so perfect in every damn way that I can think of. Um, it was just very, very, very good. Um, Red Faction Guerrilla, I really like that game primarily for the destruction mechanics, and just that mechanic does not hold a candle to the experience that was Little Big Planet 2. So we're going to go ahead and vote for that one right here.
Battle 226, Red Faction Guerrilla versus Gears of War 2. Um, hmm. We're... Huh. Okay. Huh. This is going to be an interesting one. Now, Gears of War 2, I have on this list for two reasons. It kind of, in ways that I don't fully understand, it reminded me of Resident Evil 4. Probably, it it probably reminded me of that because they have very similar pacing. Not that like beat for beat, they're very like, you can't put them side by side and see the exact same type of plot points and scenarios, but just the pacing of Gears of War 2 was pretty strong, in my opinion. And because of that, I rem- it reminds me of Resident Evil 4 in that the pacing was strong in that game as well. And yeah, they're both third-person shooters as well. Um, very gory <laughs> third-person shooters. But um, yeah, Gears of War 2, I think I-, I put it in that echelon of games I enjoy for those reasons. But I don't think Gears of War 2 is on the level of a Resident Evil 4. Um, just because Resident Evil 4 just... It's, it's more unique. Gears of War 2 is a great game, and Gears of War 2 is the game that got me into the franchise, which is the other reason I was alluding to earlier. But it isn't, in and of itself, just Gears of War 2 by itself, isn't the most unique, most special, most groundbreaking game. Yes, Gears of War did bring cover-based shooting in a mainstream sense to all these other game series that came after it, but like, it's still, it's still space dudes killing space things. You know, even if it is on Earth, I believe it is on Earth. Um, it's still let's kill some aliens, y'all. And you know, it's hard to get over that. Red Faction Guerrilla is not a cover-based shooter. It does have cover, but I wouldn't call it a cover-based shooter. It's say dis- the destruction tech in that game is so unique and it's so tragic that very, very, very few games have decided to try to chase that similar type of destruction tech. Um, I think that technology in Red Faction Guerrilla for the buildings and all that stuff, I think that really helps the game stand out in a way that I feel more strongly about Red Faction Guerrilla more than Gears of War 2. So because of that, we're going to go ahead and give it to Red Faction Guerrilla. All due respect to Gears of War 2, but really Gears 5 is the pinnacle of that series. So we're going to save the love for Gears 5 like we just did and um, give it to Red Faction Guerrilla for this one. All right, Battle 227, Fat Princess versus Gears of War 2. Whew, this one's difficult. Now, I just got done saying a thing about Gears of War 2, how it doesn't feel too super unique. And Fat Princess is all about how unique it is. There is not a single game out there that is like Fat Princess. It is a wholly original idea and concept. Um, the thing is, Gears of War 2... Just from a gameplay standpoint, I found that gameplay a lot more satisfying than Fat Princess. Um, the thing is, how how satisfying did I find that combat in Gears of War 2? Did I find it so satisfying that it overwrites all of the flair, all of the, I don't know, excitement, all of the... All, there's a lot... All of the nuance of the gameplay of Fat Princess. Because yes, Fat Princess is a multiplayer focused game. It does have single player, but it's focused on that multiplayer combat. And, you know, you have all of the abilities of the different classes and, you know, all that other stuff there. Is that really going to outride? Is is Gears of War 2, that chunky gameplay, that chunky shooter combat, like, like the gore of Gears of War 2 helps make that combat so much more visceral to me. Where in Fat Princess, that is another 
kind of technically ultra violent game. It isn't as violent as Gears of War, but there is some blood. There is some guts or whatever bones. I think it's just like literally, literally like chicken bones, like drumsticks underground when you kill someone. But anywho, do I like it more than Gears of War Two? That's the thing I'm tripping up on. I have a feeling. Hmm. I have a lot of fond memories with Fat Princess as well, where I played a lot of that with my little brother back when he was younger, back on PlayStation 3. Um, yeah, a lot of fond memories on Fat Princess as well. <sighs> this one's very difficult because Gears of War 2 is a great game and everything. But when I think back to it, I think of that the Maria scene, which I'm not going to elaborate on. But if you've played it, you know what I mean. That scene really was strong and it really got me. Um, but other than that. And the ending as well, uh, when you're fighting that big boss, that whole set piece was very, very cool. But the more I think about it, the more I'm questioning, is Gears of War 2 like an upper, upper, upper echelon experience? And the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm coming around to the fact that I think Fat Princess just sticks out in my mind more positively, just because of how unique of an idea that was and how the the different quirky, weird things that that sandbox allowed for in Fat Princess, I really was into that more. Where Gears of War 2, just mentally, just thinking about all the other games in this list, I feel like this is going to fall into that slightly lower tier of those quirky shooters that I like. Like, this is like, this is going to get down there in the tier with like the Kanan Lynch 2s and the uh, and the Binary Domains. This, it feels like a B-tier shooter, which yes, I know Gears of War 2 is a, is a lauded masterpiece. A lot of people love the Gears of War franchise, and especially Gears of War 2. But to me, it's just not like this upper echelon a or it is an a tier title it's not an s tier title you know um if we're going by the devil may cry ranking system it's not it's not double s it's not triple s you i could see the argument for single s but it's definitely at least an a tier with fat princess i feel like is a little bit more unique than gears of war 2 because of that i'm gonna vote for fat princess here feels weird but i gotta do it Battle number 228, Battlefield 1 versus Gears of War 2. Um, this one I'm going to go ahead and give, give to Gears of War 2, where Battlefield 1, I feel like I've talked on a previous episode about how Battlefield 1, especially compared to some of the other more recent Battlefields like Battlefield 4 and some other ones, um, Battlefield 1 had a personality. It had a style that other games do not have, where it had that like prestigious, you know, Saving Private Ryan uh what what's that movie that just came out in 1917 and had that type of aura to it where it was very grandiose in its tone and it treated these characters as like these i don't know like these militaristic heroes and despite me not loving that tone in every single piece of fiction i watch i really dug how battlefield one did that because those heroes weren't all just oh i'm a white soldier i'm a white soldier i'm a white soldier it had a couple of women in there. It had people of color in there. It, it kind of bounced around a lot, which I really liked how it shined a light on those stories of war that we don't always get to hear. Um, but despite that, Gears of War 2, just Gears of War 2 felt like a more, how's, how do you say the word? I don't want to mess this up. Authored experience. Gears of War 2 felt more authored in that Battlefield 1 at times, the campaign at least, felt like you were just put on a multiplayer map and they just put AI on different locations and you just had to go find them. And it was cool in the way that, you know, it's non-linear. You can find, you can 
decide your own approach and you can sneak around and all this stuff or you could snipe from a distance it allowed for different gameplay styles but it kind of made it feel more bland and even in some missions in battlefield one they straight up popped up a, an objective marker on the screen and you would just go like capture a domination point like it was multiplayer or something and it just felt very bare bones in that way where it didn't really break the game and it didn't make me hate the game or anything but it just totally was like it totally wasn't the greatest thing in the world for me um but gears of war 2 like every single piece of that game felt like oh this is a set piece this is a mission oh they want you to feel this part they want you to feel this feeling in the narrative they want you to feel this here's another character it felt like it was an experience more than battlefield 1 which at times battlefield 1 did feel like here's a sandbox arena kill all the enemies mission complete and here's a pretty cutscene that actually pulls at your emotions um so yeah, because of that, I'm going to vote for Gears of War 2. Um, Battlefield 1 still a great game, but Gears 2, yeah, Gears 2 just feels more substantial to me. Battle number 229, Battlefield 1 versus Bastion. Um, yeah, all due respect to Bastion. I, I love that combat and I love the art style and just the tone and aesthetic of that game's great. But Battlefield 1, <sighs> Battlefield 1 just sticks out more in my mind, man. That's the thing. Like for as fun as Bastion is... A lot of the narrative, and I, I this is another case of similar to God of War 2018, I would have loved Bastion so much more if I just beat it all relatively close to each other. If I played all that game, not in one sitting, but in one point of time in my life, I would have loved that game a lot more because I didn't beat it until many years later, finally picking it back up on Vita. And it was a fun time. It was a great game. But yeah, the impact of the narrative, uh, what the fate of that world and those characters are, it would have hit me a lot harder if I had played the game all all in a relative, relatively short amount of time, rather than waiting years to complete it. Um, so yeah, Battlefield 1's going to get this one. I really dig that tone. I really dig that. You know, despite, despite gameplay-wise, the single-player campaign kind of feeling a little bit bare bones, I do enjoy the rapper in which they put that single player campaign and i think that brings alive not just the single player but it also brings alive the mu the multiplayer as well because it just has a more grandiose tone and it feels more grand than it actually is so yeah battlefield one is going to win this one battle number 230 battlefield 4 versus bastion um ah uh, this feels weird okay so this is the this is the case battlefield 4 Excellent multiplayer. I love that multiplayer, and it's on this list primarily due to the multiplayer. But do I like it more than Bastion is the case. Um, the thing about Battlefield 4, single-player campaign, totally, totally forgettable. To the point where I don't even know if I disliked the Battlefield 4 campaign. It was just incredibly forgettable to the point where it doesn't even occupy space in my head when I think about the game. Um, especially since you compare the time I spent in multiplayer compared to the time I spent in single-player. It's just insurmountable what I spent in single player compared to multiplayer. So um, it's just mm, how how much do I like that multiplayer, though? Do I like it more than Bastion? Because Bastion is a very great authored experience. Um, like I said, great combat, great weapon variety, characters, narrative. Narrative, I don't want to talk too much about because, like I said, it didn't really connect for me because of the time I spent away from it. But hmm. I think I'm, uh, yeah, I think it's right. I think I'm going to have to vote for Battlefield 4 on this one. Um, I, I just, the multiplayer is just too good, man. 
The multiplayer in Battlefield 4 was just so rewarding, so varied. You could do so much stuff in that sandbox, and then the destruction was still on point. Um, yeah, Battlefield 4 has to win it. I'm going to have to vote for it. I, that feels like a dig against Bastion, but I feel ultimately Bastion might end up way lower than I'm expecting it to. So Battlefield 4, it is. Battle number 231 at 51% sorted. Jackbox, Jackbox Party Pack 5 versus Bastion. Um, now let's see. Party Pack 5 is the one with the, uh, hip hop game on there. Um, we always say that. Uh, I should probably make a Google note just so I know what games are in Jackbox Party Pack 5, because I'm pretty sure it's Patently Stupid and, uh, Madverse City. Those are the two games that I really love in Jackbox Party Pack 5. Are those games better than Bastion? Um, I think I'm gonna say no. Uh, just because, Bastion is fun consistently, but Jackbox Party Pack 5, there are five different games in there, and I only really love two of them, where I had a, despite me not, there's actually nothing I really hate about Bastion, it's just that I don't all the way love it. Like, it's not like this exemplary experience, it's not like this top of my list for me personally. The stuff I like in that game, I don't love in that game, it's just, it's not a matter of hate or it's not a matter of like or dislike. It's a matter of how much do I like. And it's on the lower tier of stuff that I like. But even if that's the case, I have no emotions on three of the five games in Jackbox Party Pack 5. And I feel like because of that, at least I have positive emotions on a more consistent basis about Bastion than I do for Jackbox Party Pack 5. So we're going to vote for Bastion on this one. Battle number 232, Jackbox Party Pack 5 versus Nidhogg. Um, yeah, it's gonna be, ooh, wait, actually, nah, it's gonna be Nidhogg for this one. Um, it's, it's not difficult to decide that one <laughs> at all. Um, yeah, Nidhogg, just the intensity of those battles, just the, just the, just, you bring Nidhogg to like a, to a party or a tournament or a convention, what ha whatever you have, Nidhogg is going to cause some rivalries. It's going to be great. Now, I also say Madverse City, another excellent, excellent game for parties. And uh, what is it? Patently Stupid, the other game on this pack that I like. Um, also great for parties. But for both of those games, you have to have a certain type of group. Um, if you have a type of group that don't like, like, I actually saw this one meme where someone had a party and the whole party was just, we're going to make PowerPoint presentations about weird topics that we're really into. And we're going to present them to the party. If that idea doesn't sound fun to you, then Patently Stupid isn't going to be fun to you. And that idea sounds really fun to me. So I like Patently Stupid, but it's hard to bring that to other friends because I'm one of the only friends in my groups that likes that type of stuff. But Madverse City has a little bit more wider appeal. You know, it's basically a rap battle gamified. Um, and, you know, bringing insults to different friends and, you know, going back to back and forth with punchlines and inside jokes and stuff and all done in rhyme. I really like that. And that has slightly broader appeal, but it doesn't have that wide appeal that Nidhogg does. And because, yes, I've probably had more fun in Madverse City alone than Nidhogg. But when it comes right down to it, I'm going to go to Nidhogg more often just because Nidhogg is always a blast. It's always a good time. It's always going to be intense. And once you get over the hurdle of just what learning the directional stick and a button to jump and a button to fight, that's all you really need in Nidhogg. Everything else is pretty self-explanatory. So yeah, Nidhogg is just a one of the few perfect 
perfect, perfect um, couch co-op game. So yeah, Nidhogg is great, and I'm going to select it here. Battle number 233, Risk of Rain 2 versus Gotham City Imposters. Now, we know what this is. For as much as I love Gotham City Imposters, and I love that first-person shooter gunplay and the leveling up system and the rewards, all that's great. But Risk of Rain 2 is Risk of Rain 2. And I played a lot of, I played more of Risk of Rain 2 in the last week since we recorded this. Risk of Rain 2 is really fucking good, y'all. Like, Risk of Rain 2 is one of those games. Cause the way, so there's different characters you can play as, but in order to unlock every character, there are different challenges you have to complete. So I had my mindset on unlocking one specific character, the loader. Um, he's a melee character with a grappling hook. And I was trying to unlock him. And then Risk of Rain 2 is like, all right, um, Go ahead and choose your... So I choose my character. I get in there. And the way to unlock the loader is to defeat a certain boss. A boss that only spawns in one specific type of environment. So I'm trying to get the random level. Because it's a roguelike. You're going through it multiple times. You die. You lose progress. But then you start over. Blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm waiting to get spawned in this one specific level. That level never came. I played for 90 minutes on that run. That level never came. But what did come were a bunch of opportunities to get other challenges to unlock other characters. I ended up unlocking two characters during that run, and I unlocked like two or three different types of equipment as well, because the as you play through the game, think like Call of Duty Zombies, where there's a bunch of chests lying around the level, um, and then you spend money that you earn from killing enemies to open those chests. Um, but those chests have different equipment. So it's not new weapons. It's not new anything crazy like that. It's just new abilities and things that augment your gameplay already. So, you know, you might get one that makes you run 10% faster or gives you an extra jump. So now you have a double jump or triple jump. And then all of these equipment stack. So now you might have three different jumps in the air. While, while every time you kill an enemy, it heals you a certain percentage. While, you know, if you take a big hit, it'll turn you invisible for a couple seconds. You can have all these stacked on top of each other until you have just a crazy, crazy, super powerful build. But the difficulty also increases as you play. So you kind of need that super incredible unbalanced build to last any amount of time during these uh, during these runs. So, yeah, I got to the end of that 90 minute run and I was feeling great. I was having fun the whole time. And when I finally died, which, of course, always happens unexpectedly. Um, I had a whole lot to show for it. It was really good. It felt really great. So Risk of Rain 2, it's one of those games where, yes, you can get into a level and you can die super quickly and feel like it's cheap. But when you get a good run in Risk of Rain 2, it feels like nothing else. So that's a lot to say. It's a mouthful just to say that Risk of Rain 2 is going to win this matchup. Gotham City Imposters, I love and appreciate you, but we got to show some love for the king. Risk of Rain 2. Battle number 234, Mafia 3 versus Gotham City Imposters. Um, There's another one where, sorry to Gotham City Imposters, but the narrative of Mafia 3 is just so great to me. Um, I love those characters. I, huh, I've i said it I said it every time that Mafia 3 comes up, just about. Uh, just that narrative about... It's not about being black. Mafia 3 isn't a game... The narrative of Mafia 3 is not a game about being black, but it is a narrative in which the fact that you are playing as a black character is important and it factors into the story. And I really like that. I I, I know a lot of people are probably I've seen a lot of people be tired of like, oh, it's another movie about being black and it's another show about being black. Like there's a show called Black AF that's on Netflix right now, and I'm kind of interested to watch it. But it's um, written by the same guy who did blackish and grownish and mixed ish. 
Um, so a lot of those like, oh, the show's about being black. And it's there's a certain subsection of our people that are like, yo, I'm tired of watching shows about being black. Let, let me get some escapism or something. And I understand that point. But like, despite me, I don't even watch any of those shows, to be honest. I am interested in Black AF. That's on Netflix right now. I am interested to watch that. I don't watch any of those shows, but like, I do like it when a story takes that into account and when it's not just a skin. In the case of like a Starhawk or or even Cole in Gears of War, um, Augustus Cole, he's not like, I, I think that's how you say his name, Coltrane. You guys know Cole from the Gears of War series. Um, yeah, the fact that he's black doesn't really tie into any of the narrative. It's just he's black and that's all it is, um, which I guess is probably a idealistic way to look at it to where your color isn't a hindrance but it's also still an aspect of your personality so i'd like it to be addressed somehow and mafia 3 definitely does that in negative and positive ways um but because it addresses it at all that's why i love that story so much and it's just a good revenge story in general anyway so yeah mafia 3 fantastic fantastic game i know the problems people have with some of the glitches at launch and some of the repetitiveness of the gameplay but all that goes out the window because the narrative you are playing through ultimately is very good. So Mafia 3 is going to win this one. All due respect to Gotham City Imposters, but we knew how this had to go down. Mafia 3. Battle number 235. Darksiders 2 versus Gotham City Imposters. Huh. Now we're starting to get a little bit difficult here. Darksiders 2 is my favorite Darksiders game. Mmm. But is it better than Gotham City Imposters. Here's the thing about Gotham City Imposters we don't address. I played Gotham City Imposters excessively, almost religiously. And I say almost religiously because I wasn't part of that religion very long. <laughs> it was free on PlayStation Plus, which is how I got my hands on it. It is free on PC right now if you want to go back. But I enjoyed that game a lot and I played it a whole lot, but I only played it for. A very brief amount of time, maybe two months at most. It was a good two months of nothing but that game, just binging it. And the player count was pretty high because it was free on PlayStation Plus. So I didn't really have to worry about that at the time. Uh, yeah, Gotham City Imposters was really fun just for a short while. And I bet Darksiders 2 is also a game that I didn't play that long. But in the case of Darksiders 2, I only played that game for a short amount of time because it is a game with a set amount of content that you eventually stop playing once you've seen everything. Um, where Gotham City Imposters is, in the way of it being a multiplayer game, you're playing that repeatedly. You're going through it, you're going through it, you're going through it. They have, I'm sure they expect people at the highest level of obsession with that game. I'm sure they're expecting people to put hundreds of hours into that game. Where Darksiders 2, you might put 100 hours into that game rather than multiple hundreds. Um, but I don't, I don't know if gameplay time is the best factor to judge these two. Uh, narratively, because I know Darksiders 2 does have a narrative, but because I wasn't super engaged in the Darksiders 2 narrative, I'm really looking at these two games equally in that regard. Uh, they, they both didn't really st stick out to me much narrative wise. Um... I like a lot of the puzzles in Darksiders 2. I thought a lot of those were super ingenious um, in a way where it didn't break my brain and I had to look up a, a solution online. But Gotham City Imposters really has a very cool moveset where there's all these different movement abilities and all the guns felt great. And 
you know what? We're going to have to vote for Gotham City Imposters here. And I know that seems crazy, but I really, really adore Gotham City Imposters. And I'm waiting for them. They might not make a sequel to Gotham City Imposters because ultimately it's a multiplayer online Batman game with a very small player base that is pretty much in the corners of obscurity now. I doubt it's getting a sequel, but I would love the gameplay ideas and that style of multiplayer shooter to come back in some way, because I really enjoyed it. Um, it, Like I said before, it's the predecessor to Titanfall 2's more chaotic and also fast-paced uh, first-person shooting gameplay, but I really like Gotham City Imposters, man. Darksiders 2, hmm. Darksiders, Gotham City Imposters wowed me in how much it was my shit like i didn't expect gotham city imposters to be like one of my favorite games of all time but it was darksiders 2 i was already expecting a pretty great game i'll say it like this darksiders 2 is my comfort food it's that oh a big world to explore with some melee combat that i really enjoy and some puzzle solving and platforming i like that type of stuff and darksiders 2 had that in spades gotham city imposters yes has all the ingredients to be my type of comfort food you know it's first person shooter multiplayer i like a lot of those types of games historically with movement systems that are very cool as well but gotham city imposters is like dark dark siders 2 is when you're like yo i haven't been to what's a good fast food restaurant i haven't been to popeyes in a minute let's go get some uh let's go get a shrimp basket from popeyes real quick and it's gonna really hit the spot but gotham city imposters is like yo i haven't been to red lobster in a minute Let's go to Red Lobster, or let's use a regional chain, because I'm in here in Georgia. Let's go to Juicy Crab, which I've been to a lot recently. Let's go to Juicy Crab and get that shrimp basket that they got as an entree, and then just go to town with that shrimp basket, because that's one of my favorite shrimp baskets of all time. You know, Popeyes, I respect you, but man, you got nothing on the Juicy Crab. It's, it's technically an appetizer, but I eat it as an entree, because it's a lot of shrimp. Um, yeah, I think Gotham City Imposters is going to win this one. I, I had to talk myself through it, but... Gotham City, you got it, man. Shout out to Monolith for developing that one. Great studio. Battle number 236 at 52% sorted. Darksiders 2 versus Max Payne 3. Um, Max Payne 3, I think, has to win this one. And honestly, I'm probably going to play a little bit of Max Payne 3, if not right after I'm done recording this, um, pretty soon <laughs> in the next few days. Because um, Max Payne 3, there's a, I'm actually listening to... Ooh, I'll actually include a link to this, maybe. I don't know how I'll include a link to this. But if you're looking for other podcasts that go really in-depth on obscure games that no one really talks about, I'm actually listening to a retrospective podcast about uh, Max Payne 3, where they're discussing the game uh, every three chapters or so. It's going to be five parts, and they just put out the first one. Um, I'm really enjoying the podcast, and I've been playing Max Payne 3 a lot recently because I'm trying to catch up for that podcast, and I still have three more chapters to play before the next episode. Um, so yeah, I'll include that. Let me go ahead and do the thing where I type during the show and completely ruin the flow. Um, something Rotten Podcast. Yeah, Something Rotten Podcast. I'm going to give you guys a link to that. That will be in the description down below if you want to listen to that. But it's uh, Jacob Geller, who I mentioned previously on the podcast. Um, some of his video essays I've talked about in previous episodes on here. Um, it's him and another host from the Game Query Podcast, which is the podcast whose feed this show is on. Um, they both just go back and forth about their love for the game, some of the development history, and some of the thematic elements and gameplay um, 
aspects of Max Payne 3. And I really enjoy people getting really deep down into these games. So, yeah, Max Payne 3 is going to win this one. <laughs> and it's not just because I'm playing it recently for this podcast. It is because Darksiders 2, I think, is still a great game. But just the uniqueness, the 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 Max Payne 3 sticks out more as a gem to me than Darksiders 2 does. Where Darksiders 2 is still a great game. Everyone should play Darksiders 2. But Max Payne 3, despite some of its flaws gameplay-wise and things like that, I think the style is so on point. I think the narrative, despite being weird, I still like that narrative. I like how a lot of Rockstar games are very nihilistic in their worldview. <laughs> like they're very bleak in how they present their characters or their worlds. And Max Payne 3 is no different, but I like the way in which it is bleak. It's bleak in a way that I am kind of, I don't know if I'm on board with it, but I find it funny. Um, where I don't usually get the humor in a lot of those Rockstar games. Um, and plus the combat is so stylish, so satisfying, and just feels really good. So yeah, Max Payne 3 is going to win for this one. Darksiders 2, you're going to get your day in the sun soon. Battle number 237. Darksiders 2 versus Enslaved Odyssey to the West. Hot diggity dog. Um, huh. Darksiders 2 versus Enslaved Odyssey to the West. This one's this one's kind of difficult. Now, Darksiders 2 combat so much more in depth than Enslaved Odyssey to the West. Um, a lot of the puzzles, 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 <laughs> words are being mispronounced today. Um, a lot of the puzzles, I'm just going to keep it there, in Darksiders 2 are way more in depth than the stuff in Enslaved Odyssey to the West. Enslaved Odyssey to the West is pretty much like once you find your way to go, do some platforming fight some enemies, sneak around, do some platforming, fight some enemies, surf on a hoverboard, fight some enemies, then climb. It, it's You understand the different gameplay aspects of Enslaved pretty easily. Or Darksiders 2, I think, actually has the same aspect where you understand those aspects of the game design pretty easily, but they use them in different ways. Where Enslaved is pretty linear, how you can progress in it. Yeah. I won't say it's linear because both of these games are pretty linear, despite Darksiders 2 having an open world with side content and stuff. But in it, I'll say it like this. Enslaved, oh, I got to climb up this building. It'll highlight exactly where you need to go. Okay, I need to take out these enemies. There's only three enemies on the map, so just take them out. Okay, I need the hoverboard over here. It, it, there's literally a waypoint on screen telling you where to hoverboard. It's pretty easy. Darksiders 2, yes, there's enemies. All right, I took out the enemies. I know what I'm doing. Oh, I'm climbing. Okay, I could climb here, but I could also climb here for a secret. So what's what's the proper path to climb? Oh, oh wait, I need to go around the corner and pull this lever down to reveal the correct way. Okay, awesome. And then, you know, there's little different aspects like that. And then when you get to the puzzles, it's like, all right, I can't just keep going. My, my progress is halted because I have to figure this out. It kind of leads to a, a different gameplay flow in Darksiders 2 that I really enjoy. Where Enslaved Odyssey to the West is still a great game. I love it. But it's much more passive of an experience. Not much more. I won't say it's that big of a gap between the two. But it's more of a passive experience in Enslaved, where Darksiders 2 is definitely... I don't know. Darksiders 2 is just more active. <laughs> I guess that's the best way to say it. It's more active of a video game. I have to think more actively as I'm playing it, where Enslaved Odyssey to the West just feels like, all right, I'm along for the ride. Um, and while I love the, I probably like the art design in Enslaved more, 
Darksiders 2 overall is just a better game to me. Um, or at least a more favored game from me. So yeah, Darksiders 2 is going to win this one. Battle 238, Sleeping Dogs versus Enslaved Odyssey to the West. They are really trying to get me to shit on Enslaved because I'm really feeling Sleeping Dogs right now. Um, yeah, Sleeping Dogs, it's it's another casualty to the fact that Enslaved is a more linear game, more focused game. Where Sleeping Dogs, you know, you got your gunplay, you got your melee combat, and I didn't, I didn't want to do any of that. All right. Sorry, I just triggered my watch. <laughs> I think I said something similar to Bixby's name and then my phone just turned up. Um, shout out to Bixby. If you got a Samsung device, you know what the hell I'm talking about. He's the burden we all live with. Um, he's actually not too bad on the watch, so I won't talk too much shit. But anyway, yeah, Sleeping Dogs, you got your melee combat, you got your gun combat, you got your driving, you got your karaoke, you got your social relationships, you got all these different um aspects of the gameplay oh you got the parkour as well i forgot there's a pretty a fairly in-depth parkour system in sleeping dogs all of that stuff's working together make it a fantastic fantastic game and the story's pretty great as well there's a lot of good things to love about sleeping dogs um the issue is <laughs> there's no issue what am i saying um sleeping dogs is gonna win this one i'm sorry enslaved i love you but it's not. We're not quite there yet. We're gonna get you some props in a minute. But Sleeping Dogs is gonna win this one. I, I I just have to give it to Sleeping Dogs. Ooh, okay, it's time. Um, battle number two thirty nine. Portal versus Enslaved Odyssey to the West, and it is finally time for Enslaved to get some props because for I've already talked about Portal. I've already said my issues with Portal. Um. It ain't my favorite. <laughs> it's it's just not. Um, I, I love that series is a great series, but like Portal and Portal 2, which I know people see as the superior game, don't, that series just doesn't stick out in my head as a massive, you know, big impactful thing. It's just a game. It's just games I played because people talked about them. And I was like, OK, those are pretty cool. Um, where Enslaved Odyssey to the West is... I don't know, man. Enslaved Odyssey to the West feels like a special thing. It feels wholly unique when compared to Portal. Well, actually, I'm not even wanting to say that. Really, we have to acknowledge this. I don't think I don't know if I've acknowledged this too much throughout this series, but we have to acknowledge the fact that expectations plays a big role in all of these selections. Or Portal, I played by the time I got to Portal, it was already a dead meme. Like the Still Alive song I'd heard a million times, you know, the 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 reputation of that game preceded me playing it. So no matter what Portal was, it wasn't going to be this revolution that I had heard from so many people. Where Enslaved Odyssey to the West, all I knew about it was, oh, this, like, I actually played a demo for it before I got to the full game years later. Um, and Enslaved Odyssey to the West is still a great game, um, but I just didn't know that much about it. Like, I knew the core narrative conceit, I knew Ninja Theory worked on it, and I knew, you know, stuff that you see in the marketing, but I didn't know, like, no one said, oh, man, this game's great, oh, man, this game's fantastic, it's so good. By the time I played it, I was like, oh, this is a fun little game, like, this is very satisfying, and solid combat, and great art design, and yeah, there was a lot to appreciate here in Enslaved, where Portal, everything in Portal 1 and 2 were already appreciated before I even walked into the door. So... Because of that, that paints my view of these games heavily. Um, so all that is to say that Enslaved Odyssey to the West is going to win Battle 239 against Portal. Um, 
I'd say sorry, Portal, but we, I've already made my peace with you. <laughs> so yeah, it's enslaved. Battle number 240, Portal versus Spec Ops The Line. Huh. I, I think we're going to stay on this train. Spec Ops The Line is going to win this round. Um, already talked about Spec Ops The Line, I'm pretty sure. Uh, that narrative really blew me away. The gameplay, while purposefully generic, it's still very fun. And it has just a little bit of flair here and there to make the gameplay of Spec Ops The Line really fun. Despite it being... The fact that Spec Ops The Line is fun to play feels like it kind of goes against the very purpose of Spec Ops The Line's narrative. But still, I think that is a good thing. Like, a game should be fun to play. And because it is fun to play, I enjoy playing it, um, despite what the narrative says. Uh, and I still I understand the point of the narrative. I love that narrative. But, you know, it is what it is. We're, we're kind of... It's a very contradictory feeling that I get with Spec Ops The Line in that respect. But yeah, I just have more fond feelings, fond memories, and positive thoughts on Spec Ops The Line. Especially because Spec Ops The Line is another game that people talk up a lot. But whatever I had in my head wasn't what Spec Ops The Line ended up being. And it surprised me. Like the fact that Spec Ops The Line surprised me more than Portal did is a thing in and of itself. Where... Like, certain parts, like, the ending of Portal, I'm not going to say the very ending, but, like, the final boss, quote-unquote, of Portal, was already spoiled to me years before I played Portal, thanks to, like, Let's Plays and um, just images online. Like, I'd seen a lot of that stuff, and if I didn't know any of that stuff, I probably would have had my mind blown by Portal. But by the time I got to that twist in Portal, it was like, oh, okay, it can't end like this. And so, you know, it is what it is, so... Yeah, I'm not going to just rag on Portal again. I think we've done that in previous episodes already. But Spec Ops The Line is going to win this one. Battle 240 goes to Spec Ops The Line. <laughs> Battle number 241, Portal versus Destiny 2. Um, hmm. We're going to go with Destiny 2 here. Uh, just, just gameplay-wise, I enjoy Destiny 2 a whole lot. Especially, I've talked about it a bunch, but playing Destiny 2 on PC is a revelation. If you can if you can get your hands on a PC for Destiny 2, highly recommend playing it. That higher frame rate really changes the game. And God, I hope PlayStation 5, uh, Xbox Series X, when those come around, for the love of God, they better have Destiny 2 at 60 frames per second so we can finally even a playing field. And I have a feeling that once that happens, then we can get proper cross-play between every single one of the major consoles um with the exception of switch which you know switch is switch what can you do but yeah i really hope that happens because playing destiny 2 at 60 frames is one of the best shooters i've ever played hands down um so yeah i think that totally outshines everything i could possibly say about portal so yeah we're gonna go ahead and click destiny 2 battle number 242 portal versus singularity <laughs> wowzers uh now, we've talked about Singularity a little bit, I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, fun gunplay, fun upgrade system, just a very unique... It's not even unique. I don't even want to say unique. It is derivative of a lot of games. It has some Half-Life aspects in there, um, have some Bioshock in there from the gameplay perspective. But uh, I really enjoyed it, man. It was just... It just twisted it just enough to where I enjoyed the very pulpy um, sci-fi action that it provided. Uh... It definitely stuck with me more than Portal. Do I want to vote for it over Portal? 
Yeah, I have. Here's the thing. I just have more enthusiasm for Singularity. When I think about Singularity, I get excited. When I think about Portal, I get not unexcited. I just get monotone. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, Portal. Yeah, that's a game. For Singularity, it's like, oh, yeah, Singularity. You play that one? Yeah. Yeah, I played through it. It's good. Yeah, Singularity, I have, I don't know, my fire burns stronger for Singularity than it does for Portal. And I know that's kind of an ethereal way to decide this matchup, but that's how I'm feeling. Singularity is going to win this one. Battle number 243, Dreams versus Devil May Cry 5. Holy shit. <laughs> now we're getting into something difficult. Um, uh, It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. I think for whenever we get a matchup with Dreams, I don't know if I did this for previous matchups against Dreams, but the feeling I have that it's going to go is whenever Dreams comes up, it's going to be a question of, number one, does the game up against it, is it better than the single player component, the media molecule made Dream that comes shipped on the disc? Is it better than that part of Dreams? Number one. And number two, are any of the possible man-made creations that can come from the community of Dreams, are any of those better or potentially better than the game it's up against. <laughs> and so let's look at that. Let's look at those two aspects for Devil May Cry 5. Um, Devil May Cry 5. Gee willikers. Devil May Cry 5. Hmm. How do, how do I say? Devil May Cry 5. I don't think the gameplay in Devil May Cry 5 is totally top tier. I, I can't say anything in Dreams comes close to the gameplay of Devil May Cry 5. Um, care. Ooh, it's gonna say characters too. Dreams and Devil May Cry Five. Devil May Cry Five has a wider roster of characters that I love, but the single player component of Dreams does have some pretty strong characters, especially in the main character. I really liked him by the end of the game, and you know I felt there was a back and forth between him and the characters um, that I really enjoyed. Hmm. Damn, man. Something inside me wants to say Devil May Cry 5 wins this, but there's another thing inside me that feels like it would punch the original thing inside me if Dreams didn't win this one, <laughs> which feels really weird to admit and say. Uh, hmm. Yeah, man, I love Devil May Cry 5 so much with all my heart, and it's probably a top tier game. But Dreams, I think here's what it comes down to. Not nah, here's what it comes down to. Because I don't want to do the... Oh, also, this is Battle 243, but we're at 53% sorted, so be excited. Um, I don't know if I said that yet, but here we are. Dreams is a great game. I was going to compare it to, like, Tearaway and say would I vote Dreams over Tearaway and that whole battle. But we'll get there later. Dreams versus Devil May Cry 5. Devil May Cry 5 feels like it's up there with, like, Gears of War 5 and... Some of these other games that are like top tier, but can't like Devil May Cry 5 feels like a game that would be pretty like just short of the top 10, just for the fact that there's so many other excellent, excellent games that I love more than it. But I do adore Devil May Cry 5. Um, but Dreams, I love Dreams so much. It. I think this has to do with surprise again, where Dreams, I didn't expect that narrative that it came with, but I do expect to be wowed by every single creation on the servers on that game. Like, the things that they do in Dreams are crazy and blow my mind, but, like, 
I knew it was going to be like that because I had played Little Big Planet 1 and 2. So, like, I knew people were going to go crazy with those tools. Devil May Cry 5, here's a, here's a difference. Dreams, I know great things are going to come out of Dreams, no matter who picks up those tools if they know what to do it and if they have the passion for it. Devil May Cry 5, yes, I can know it's a great game because people said so. I didn't expect it to resonate with me. I didn't expect Nico to be one of my favorite character vo- favorite characters of all time. I didn't expect Dante to have one of the most satisfying melee combat movesets that I've ever played in the game. I didn't expect to just be captivated by that game. And it's gotten to the point where if they announce a Devil May Cry 6 or something, I will be super excited based only on my time with Devil May Cry 5. Where Dreams... I'd be excited if they announced a sequel to Dreams, but it would be like, what else can you do? Like, maybe allow for video to be put into the engine now. Um, Maybe allow for, like, multiplayer stuff so you can maybe possibly make an MMO or something of the like. Those additions aren't as exciting, but I don't want to go back and forth about hypothetical additions. Mmm. God, this one's really hard. This one's really difficult. (sighs) Dreams is going to be higher up there, too. I feel like I feel like I have more enthusiasm in my heart for Devil May Cry 5 than I do Dreams. And for as much as I love Dreams and think that game is going to take the world by storm, um, I don't think I can fight what's in my heart. <laughs> it feels so bad. I feel like I'm voting for Devil May Cry 5 primarily because of Nico. Like, I love Nico so much and God, the thought of that woman does things to me but (laughs) that's for a different podcast possibly um am i gonna vote for devil may cry 5 based off of just that because narratively the narrative in and of itself i really don't care about like i'm very indifferent to the beat by beat things that happen it's just the characters i really love them interacting no matter what they're doing (sighs) but dreams dreams did blow me away a lot that whole musical sequence, every musical sequence in Dreams just fucking caught me by surprise. Now nah, we gotta vote for Dreams. We have to vote for Dreams. I, I'm I keep coming to this conclusion because Dreams is just such a bigger part of my life than Devil May Cry Five is, to where I can I understand the prestige of Devil May, the prestige nature of Devil May Cry Five, but Dreams feels like a true innovation, and it touched my soul. In a way that Devil May Cry 5 also did, but Dreams has the potential to do it even more with some of these other creations that are going to be built in the future. So yeah, I'm going to vote for Dreams. Dreams feels kind of like cheating because it is like, oh, it's every game ever made technically, blah, 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 blah. But you can't say that until those games exist. So I'm still going to vote for Dreams. I have to. It just feels wrong to do otherwise. So we're going to vote for it. Battle number 244, Doki Doki Literature Club versus Devil May Cry 5. And I think this one's going to be easy. For as much as I like Doki Doki Literature Club, I've already talked about how that narrative really tripped me out. And some of those characters I really like a lot. Devil May Cry 5 is going to win this one. Just game, There's actual gameplay in Devil May Cry 5 where Doki Doki Literature Club is largely just a visual novel. Um, yeah, the gameplay is better in DMC. Uh, I love those characters more in DMC. And there's more characters that I do love in, in DMC 5. Um, yeah, overall, it's just a more impressive package and a more satisfying package to me. So Devil May Cry 5 is going to win this one. Battle number 245. 
Whew, Doki Doki Literature Club versus Resident Evil 4. Wow, it's really getting hard for Doki Doki. Hopefully we don't just get a bunch of perfect games to go against Doki Doki, because that's going to really suck. But yeah, Resident Evil 4 versus Doki Doki Literature Club. RE4 has to take this one home. I'm sorry. I, I talked about how I think the pacing in this game is excellent. Um, it still is. Gunplay, despite it being weird mechanically, very satisfying. Just those melee moves, just everything about RE4 is very, very, very good. For Doki Doki Literature Club, I wasn't really sold. Actually, I was getting into the groove. Because there's a, there's a point in Doki Doki Literature Club where things change. Like, you think you're just playing one type of game, and then things change, and it's an entirely different type of vibe. But even before that change, I was still like, oh, this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool. I, don't, I still don't know why people are freaking out about this game, but this is still pretty neat. And then things happened. <laughs> so that's how I'm feeling about it. Um... I think we're going to go with Resident Evil 4. <laughs> I like I, I like how I said that like it was some hard choice. No, nah, RE4 was going to win as soon as I saw it up there. So yeah, RE4 is going to win this one. Battle number 246, Doki Doki Literature Club versus Fear 2 Project Origin. Hmm. I think this one goes to Doki Doki, where yes, Fear 2 is a satisfying shooter, and I really enjoy the the horror aesthetics of that. I'm not even a horror fan, but I like how they implemented horror into Fear 2 to where it didn't do the horror by making you powerless. It did horror by giving you something you had never seen before. And the ghost in Fear 2 freaked me the fuck out, but in a way that I'm like, yo, that really took some unique talent to do <laughs> where other games haven't seen ghosts like that. And it was very, very interesting. Uh, but Doki Doki Literature Club is going to win this one. For as much as I like Fear 2 and think it's like a, I don't know, cult classic or something, I like to I like to go hard for Fear 2. I like the ride or die for that game. But ultimately, Doki Doki Literature Club feels like more of a revelation to me. Um, and it was when I played it as well to me. So yeah, Doki Doki's going to win this one. Battle number 247, Metro Exodus versus Project Origin Fear 2. I don't know why I said it reverse, but it is what it is. Um... Who boy. Metro Exodus. Now, this is hard because Fear 2 Project Origin, I've played all the way through. Metro Exodus, I have not played all the way through, so I don't know how that narrative wraps up yet. But when this first popped up, I did instinctually have the urge to go to Metro Exodus just because the fidelity of that world is a lot more impressive. Um, I Last time I played each of these games, I had more of a positive taste in my mouth with Metro Exodus than I did with Fear 2. Ooh, excuse me. And I think that's only because Fear 2, uh, I played the, the, I think, Reborn DLC, and I played it on PlayStation 3, and God, it chugs. It is so slow. It is very difficult to to parse that game. Um, just playing it on PlayStation 3, frame rate was dropping, you know, all that, all the stuff you know. Um, Fear 2 left me with a little bit of a sour taste once I left it, but Metro Exodus, by way of me not having beaten the game yet, um, I left in the middle of it and I was still enjoying the combat. I was still enjoying the gathering and just the slower exploration of that game. I, I really enjoyed it and I liked how it bounced back and forth from here's your linear section, here's your open world section, here's another linear section. It goes back and forth so you get your cake and eat it too with both style of game. Um... But ultimately, Fear 2, 
has the slow motion, which I really love. Has that nail gun as well that I really like. And plus the narrative in Fear 2, which I know isn't fair because I haven't beat Metro Exodus, but the narrative in Fear 2 is fucked up in a way that I think is really cool. That really plays with one of my biggest fears. It plays with that fear and just takes advantage of it. <laughs> it's it's interesting, man. Um, yikes. I think I have to vote for Fear 2, man. Which feels blasphemous because Metro Exodus is probably my favorite Metro game so far. I guess I gotta beat it. But god damn, man. There's a lot to love about Fear 2, dude. There's so much to love about Fear 2. Where Metro Exodus, I simply can't say I've beaten it, so I can't really talk too much about it. I, I've played more than half the game, so I can, you know, I'm some type of authority on it. Also, we're we're fifty four percent sorted. I don't know if I've said that as well. Um, but god damn. Metro Exodus. I love you, but Hmm. I think here's what we're getting down to. I like Metro Exodus overall as a complete package more than I like certain aspects of Project Origin. With Project Origin, yeah, they got some cool weapons. Yeah, the slow mo's cool. Yeah, the ending is pretty cool. But everything that led up to the ending, I don't really care about. Indifferent. Um, other weapons that aren't the ones that I really like, I don't really care about. Indifferent. Um, the ghosts and stuff, other aspects of horror that they use, you know, a lot of them are really cool, but all the rest, I don't really care. I'm indifferent. Or Metro Exodus, every single... That game has personality. That game has a tone. And yes, Fear 2 does have plenty of personality and tone, but it's so much... The atmosphere is thick in Metro Exodus. And I don't just mean that literally. I mean that just in the aesthetics, just in the gameplay. Um, everything about Metro Exodus feels as oppressive as it wants you to feel. Or Fear 2 Project Origin, you are a super soldier, and it feels like that, but... You feel more like you are a person in the middle of a wasteland in Metro Exodus than you feel like a super soldier in Fear 2. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go ahead and vote for Metro Exodus here. I'm sorry, Fear 2. It feels wrong, but I got to do it. Metro Exodus wins. Battle number 248, A Short Hike versus Fear 2 Project Origin. And I think A Short Hike is going to win this one, man. I, I love you, Fear 2 Project Origin, but... A short hike just has it has that smaller narrative, and I I was thinking about this recently. After oh, here's another little shout out podcast that I'm gonna give a, a shout out to. Um, over on the Left Behind Game Club, they are doing they they actually just play a bunch of games and they have a podcast where they talk about said game. They did an episode on a short hike recently, and I played a short hike last year, so I listened to it, and it's a great little uh, episode. So um, what is it? What did I say? Gamers Club. Oh my god. Left Behind Game Club. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Behind Game Club. Yeah, that'll be another episode for you guys to check that out. Club. A short hike episode. Just so I make sure I give you guys the right episode. Um, yeah, A Short Hike is a great game. Um, and I think because listening to that podcast, they made a lot of comparisons to Animal Crossing. And now that I'm kind of obsessed with Animal Crossing, um, I think i have a short hike to blame for <laughs> introducing that style and aesthetic to me um yeah i really dig a short hike man and just gameplay wise it's still solid and it just wraps up in the perfect amount of time that you want it to i'm gonna go ahead and vote for a short hike i know fear 2 project origin i love you but a short hike is 
I could see a short hike being pretty high in this list where fear two feels like it's going to get capped off at like 50 or 40. Like it's going to get capped off in the mid area of this list where a short hike, I could see that getting really high. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and vote for a short hike. Battle number 249, Bioshock versus Fear 2, Project Origin. Wow. <laughs> Gee willikers. I think I'm going to vote for Bioshock here. And I know a lot of people would expect me to vote for Bioshock because of the narrative. But the more I think about Bioshock, because I'm, I'm kind of turning a quarter on Bioshock. I've shat on Bioshock a lot on this podcast just because it is in Bioshock 2. So a lot of combat options aren't going to be there. But Bioshock 1 those combat options there were still built around, you know, the big daddies and everything. And I'm thinking back to my last playthrough where I replayed it to join in on a game club for Game Informer. Um, yeah, the the gameplay of Bioshock 1 still, it holds up pretty well. It's still pretty damn fun um, in a way where, you know, combat and stuff in Fear 2 Project Origin is fantastic still, but Bioshock has a more, a wider tool set of tools to do murder with <laughs> where fear 2 project origin all of those tools are very similar i mean they're all guns like you know this one shoots them far away this one shoots them up close this one shoots them mid-range this one pins them to the wall when you shoot them this one lights them on fire when you shoot them all of these circles blow them up <laughs> so you know it's the combat options are going to be minimized in fear 2 project origin just by way of the type of game it is where bioshock has different has different you know plasmids and stuff you can electrocute people you can set people on fire you can put bees on them you can make traps you can do all these unique things and i think that sandbox and bioshock is more compelling so because of that i'm gonna vote for bioshock here Battle number 250, Binary Domain versus Fear 2, Project Origin. Oh, wow. I'm really shitting on Fear 2. I did not expect this is how... I didn't expect to shit all over Fear 2. But yeah, Binary Domain is going to win this one, man. Um, Just the characters, the narrative, I really enjoyed in Binary Domain so much. I, I really love that ending, as I've talked about before. Um, Gameplay-wise... While I do feel like there are probably more gameplay options in Fear 2, just the characters are so much more impactful to me in Binary Domain, where it makes, you know, the few, the the lack of super big variety in the combat, that's totally counteracted by the fact that those characters are really cool. Um, yeah, I gotta vote for Binary Domain. And, and the set pieces in Binary Domain were really bombastic and really cool. Yeah, we're voting Binary Domain. Battle number 251, Kanan Lynch 2 Dog Days versus Fear 2 Project Origin. And I think we can finally give it to Fear 2 Project Origin. Um, just for the fact that we've talked about this a million times, but Kanan Lynch 2 Dog Days, great game. I don't even want to say that. Very interesting game, but I like it primarily for its aesthetics. Gameplay-wise, it kind of falls apart. Not that it's boring, it's just very one-note. Um, it's It's just... You want to talk about repetitive gameplay when I talked about Mafia 3 earlier? Cannon Lynch 2 is the king of repetitive gameplay. It, it just is. Because it's just there's just not a lot of options for what you can do in that game. Um, and because of that, it can only be so high. It can only be so impressionable to me. So yeah, Fear 2 Project Origin is going to win this one. Battle number 252. Cannon uh, Lynch 2 Dog Days versus Darksiders 1. Um... I think we're still going to choose Darksiders 1 because, man, I like the combat more. Just the gameplay in Darksiders 1 
is better than anything gameplay wise in Kane and Lynch 2. Like even the more interesting, more fucked up moments of Kane and Lynch 2, those are cool and everything, but the gameplay literally doesn't change throughout the entire video game. Like you're doing the same exact thing every single time, no matter what. You're just shooting dudes and sometimes you might shoot a car and that's it. So it's really hard to like get excited about Kane and Lynch 2's gameplay. Where Darksiders, you're doing a lot of stuff. I mean, they take a lot of inspiration from Zelda. So there's a lot of hacking and slashing. There's a lot of puzzle solving. There's a lot of, I guess, I wouldn't call it climbing, but light, light platforming type things. Um, Darksiders 1 goes hard in a way where I can't really say that too much about Kane and Lynch 2 Dog Days. At least not from a gameplay perspective. Um, and because of that, I think I'm going to have to give it. I'm not even. I'm not even gonna timidly do it. It's Darksiders. Darksiders wins this one, hands down. So yeah, voted for that. Battle number two fifty three: Kane and Lynch two Dog Days versus Half Life two. Um, I think Half Life two has to get this one again, where the gravity gun is such a hallmark of Half Life two, and it's so cool and so unique. Where even if the rest of that arsenal is kind of whatever, the the gravity gun is just so cool. And even if it's not the most effective weapon it is definitely the most flashy weapon i guess it's definitely the most interesting weapon i feel like that's safe to say um so yeah half-life 2 is going to win this one kane lynch dog days i've already said what i said and we're going to keep my opinion there half-life 2 wins Ooh, all right battle number 254 at 55 percent sorted kane lynch 2 dog days versus costume quests costume quest is going to win this one um, this is a battle of aesthetics because costume quests I really like for that cute aesthetic, that adorable aesthetic. Um, cause the game, the, what is it called? The turn-based combat doesn't really do too much for me. It wasn't a hindrance. It just wasn't a thing that I loved. Um, and moving around the levels was pretty cool, but costume quest is really a, I, a game I love for the aesthetics. Kaden Lynch 2 is another game I love primarily for the aesthetics, but the aesthetic of Costume Quest speaks to me so much more than the aesthetics of Kane and Lynch 2. Or yeah, I love that grainy, looks like you just found a unlisted video on Live Leak. I love that type of look that Kane and Lynch 2 has. But you you could transfer, think of it like this. You could transfer the style. Kane and Lynch 2 only works in that aesthetic because of the type of story it is. Or Costume Quest, I would pay to see any type of game. Any type of art style translated into the Costume Quest art style because I think it is universally adorable in a very specific way that I think you could do a lot with. Where Kane and Lynch 2, don't you, if you put, if you took Bioshock 2 and put a weird camera filter over it like they do in Kane and Lynch 2, that would make that game ugly and bad. So uh, I just would hate that. But if you make a little cutesy version of the, of the, uh, of the player character from Bioshock 2, um, the Big Daddy, Man, I would take that from Costume Quest so quickly. So yeah, Costume Quest, I think I'm going to choose that one. And I've already done it. So yeah, Costume Quest wins. Battle number 255. Ah, Infamous 2 versus Spider-Man. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. This is going to take a minute. Um, Yeah, Infamous 2, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Infamous 2 is or was one of my favorite games of all time. It was my number one game of all time for many, many years up until I played Saints Row 4. Um, but the thing is, I've had to think hard and long about Spider-Man because 
when I played Horizon Zero Dawn, I remember saying it is my new favorite game of all time. And I ultimately retracted that statement and didn't, I no longer agreed with that opinion. And I went back to Saints Row 4 being my favorite game of all time. But then the following year, we got Spider-Man. And I really had to have the same conversation with myself. Is it my favorite game of all time? It has everything that I say I want in a game. Emotional stories, really great traversal systems, really satisfying combat, um, a platinum experience that's really satisfying and just super fun to do, um, and very rewarding gameplay that rewards you for playing the game. It had everything I could ask for. And I haven't had the conversation of whether Spider-Man is my new favorite game of all time. It was definitely my favorite game of the year in 2018. But is it my favorite game of all time? I feel like that conversation is still available to have. Like, I feel like we can still have that conversation of, oh, is Spider-Man my favorite game of all time? I feel like it's still on the table in a way where Infamous 2, just the, the buck is passed on that so long ago. To where I love Infamous 2. I'll ride and die for that game no matter what. But it's not that even it's not even that cracks are starting to show in Infamous 2. Because I haven't played that game since I platinumed it years and years ago. But there are other games that I'm just so much more enthusiastic about. That I'm impressed so much more by. Um, just other games like Infamous 2 that I think have done it better. So, you know, for as much as I love Infamous 2, Spider-Man is where it's at right now. Like, I've already, I don't know if I've said it on here, but Spider-Man is my favorite comic book character. Uh, I've loved him since I was a kid. I love him now through all the different iterations, or just about all the different iterations. I don't really read the comic books that much, um, or at all. So, yeah. Spider-Man is going to win this one. All due respect to Infamous 2, but Spider-Man has to win. Battle number 256. <laughs> Infamous 2 versus Horizon Zero Dawn. God damn, they're going for the throat. Uh, um, let's see here. I think we're still going to have to go to Rise of Zero Dawn over Infamous 2 because I love <sighs> Infamous 2. When I think back to it, yeah, you got Quo. She was cool. You got Nyx. She was cool as well. You got the little doctor that wasn't in the game for that long. Um, he's fine as well. Uh, but then Zeke and Cole are really the two main quote-unquote characters that I'd say. All the other side characters, while Nix and Quo stuck out, they weren't like a big deal for me ultimately. Like, I remember trying to think like, this is back in the day, or not even back in the day. If you try to think of the situation, like, because the whole game kind of, it portrayed Nix as the, all the evil choices are on the side of Nix, And it portrayed Quo as all the good choices are on the side of Quo. And that's kind of how they did it. And it kind of took out the whole aspect of choice in it. Because for the Infamous games, the whole point of it is see what the bad ending is. Play it again. See what the good ending is. But because of that, it's like, yo, I I, I understand. But like, huh, how do I say this? You can't choose a waifu if it's tied into the mechanics of the game. Because <laughs> then you're only going to choose what you like mechanically rather than the girl you like. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to attach myself to those two characters. So really, it was just about Zeke and Cole. Like, their relationship and their personalities are really what stuck with me in Infamous 2. But Horizon Zero Dawn, 
yes, there weren't any relationships. There weren't really much of any siding with different companions and stuff. But those personalities are strong and they stuck out. Um, I like Aloy's personality. I like I like a lot of the personalities of, of a lot of the side characters. The world is so much prettier. Like if Miss Two was a pretty game, but Horizon Zero Dawn is just flabbergastingly gorgeous. <laughs> like it really just it just shakes me to my core how pretty that game is, and I have the photo mode photos to prove it. Um, so yeah, that game's great. But like, hmm, it's just really hard, man. It's just really difficult. To think of a reason that I would vote for Infamous 2 over Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn has to win this one. And yeah, the combat's a little bit different, but Horizon Zero Dawn is just excellent to me. So I got to vote for it. It definitely has to be in my top 10 or at least top 20. Where Infamous 2, I totally see the case for that not being in my top 10. So yeah, we're going to go ahead and vote for Horizon Zero Dawn. Battle number 257. Infamous 2 versus Life is Strange. And I think we're going to vote. Who, Nelly? Infamous 2 versus Life is Strange. God damn. Yeah, these episodes are going to get longer because these, these matchups are going to get more difficult. So apologies ahead of time. But Infamous 2 versus Life is fucking strange. Ah, These are two completely different games. Life is Strange, I love for the narrative and the characters. Infamous 2, I love for the gameplay and the characters. But only some of the characters. But the gameplay is really fucking good. Mm. This is really hard. So we've talked about Life is Strange a little bit here and there in the show. Um, Life is Strange is one of those games that my personality is defined by. (laughs) Which feels shitty to say, but like... I don't know if I'd be the same person I am today if I didn't play Life is Strange. It just impacted me that much, and it is such a big part of my life. Infamous 2. I really enjoyed that game, and yes, it was my favorite game for a long time, but I don't know how much I think of Infamous 2 on like a, god damn, that game was something else. Like, Infamous 2 didn't blow me away, but it just gave me everything I wanted. And I think that's the difference here. And also, I... Life is... What would I see as higher on the list, though? Infamous 2 feels like it would be higher on the list just because it has more in common with all those gameplay aspects I always talk about. You know, great traversal systems. Uh, Technically, it's not a shooter, but third-person shooting combat. Um, And just very fast gameplay. I really like that stuff. Life is Strange has a great narrative, but I think what I haven't really defined is what type of narratives I enjoy. And I'm kind of nebulous on that. And I really think it just comes down to narratives that surprise me. But Life is Strange, I had no reason to believe that Life is Strange was going to be as emotional, as impactful, as 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 big a deal. The scale of Life is Strange is not as small as you would assume when you hear the setup. Um, the scale of Life is Strange narrative is actually very grandiose in a way that I didn't expect. Um, and I think that's why I like Life is Strange so much, because it left an impact and it surprised me. Where Infamous 2 did really surprise me. It just, yeah, it was the game I liked. Now, I will say, the endings of Infamous 2 really took me by surprise. The good ending, yeah, that kind of seemed obvious. It kind of seemed like something that was going to happen. But the bad ending also seemed like it was working towards that naturally. But, God, the links they go to for the bad ending, like, man, Cole really has to do some shit. <laughs> and, um, mm, that's the thing, man. 
Infamous 2 feel Infamous 2 makes sense on paper, but Life is Strange, I like it because I like that choice because that's the one I, that's the one my heart wants. My heart wants Life is Strange. My brain wants Infamous 2. And I think in the same way of Horizon, I gotta go up my heart, man. I gotta go up my heart. Life is Strange is gonna win. I'm sorry, Infamous 2. You deserve better than this, but Life is Strange has to win. We're gonna vote for you now. God, that hurt. That hurt a lot. But it's okay. Infamous 2 is about to get his time in the sun because battle number 258 is Infamous 2 versus Control. And Infamous 2 is going to win this one. Um, I love Control and I, I adore Control. Like we've talked about how much I love just the weird, unique vibe of that game. The artistic, artistic design is great. Graphical fidelity, facial animations, even a lot of the characters I really love in Control. But when you get down to it, these are both very similar games in that the third person shooter combat games where you have superpowers but the superpower moveset in infamous 2 is so much more satisfying so much more gratifying so much more varied and you know you can swap things on the fly like the the powers in infamous 2 are just so much more impressive to me than control where control yes is is fun and it's good and it's great but infamous 2 is just like oh man when you finally unlock all the powers and you get like the electric tether where you can just travel entire towns without touching the ground. Oh my God. And it's skill based. Oh, dude, that's the type of stuff I live for, man. I live for that type of stuff. So yeah, if Miss is going to win this one, all due respect to control. I think overall control, maybe not with the main narrative, but like the side quests, the narratives of the side quests and all that stuff and those ideas and concepts really impress me in Control. But Infamous 2 is just the gameplay is on another motherfucking level. So yeah, we gotta vote for Infamous 2. Battle number 259, Ratchet and Clank are cracking time versus Control. This is another easy one. Ratchet and Clank are cracking time. Where, you know, the narrative, I liked a whole lot, but really it's just the fact they... They made a full-featured Ratchet and Clank game, which isn't a surprise in and of itself, but it's just like, it's not just a linear run through these levels and the game's over. There's a whole open world with side quests and missable content and collectibles, and there's multi and there's even a whole side section of Clank levels where you can play as Clank in these really intricate puzzles and, you know, accomplish all of these things. That whole game just had so much, not just so much content, but so much new ideas in the game that it just surprised me so much where control a lot of the new ideas and really cool concepts in control are in audio logs and you know little papers you find on desk and little collectibles and stuff that's the thing about control where for as cool as that game is overall the main narrative doesn't really have control's coolest concepts and moments you have to look into side content for that where cracking time every piece of that game felt like it was really cool or really unique or really different. It cracking time felt like you were getting a new concept more more a new concept more regularly than control. And so because of that, cracking time has to win. Battle number 260 at 56% sorted. Burnout Paradise versus Control. Um Gee Willikers, I think we're going to have to vote for Burnout Paradise here y'all. Um yeah, I love Burnout Paradise. And that's pretty much all I gotta say about it. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, Burnout Paradise is just a really fun game. Uh, that car combat is second to none. My favorite racing game of all time, still to this day. There hasn't been another game to even get close to that amount of satisfaction I feel from Burnout Paradise. Um, 
and really it just comes down to control. Yeah, it has great ideas and concepts and all this stuff. But Burnout Paradise, the amount of fun I have on a consistent basis with Burnout Paradise goes so far beyond any fun that I had with Control. And I had a lot of fun with Control, but I had even more fun with Burnout Paradise. And I think that's just where it comes down to. Yes, it's kind of bare bones narratively. Yes, there's really not much in the way of characters in Burnout Paradise, but the fun factor is there. So what else do you need? Um, So yeah, Burnout Paradise is going to win this one. Battle number 261, The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim versus Control. We're really getting to some unfair matchups here, y'all. Um, gee, Willikers. I respect... Ah, man, I respect Control. I think Skyrim's going to win this one too, man. Which feels so bad for Control. I thought Control was going to be so much higher than this, but I'm realizing just how many great games are near the top of this list. Um, yeah, Skyrim... I love that experience so much, man. I had so much fun and was so addicted on the time when I was really playing Skyrim Hardcore. Like I said, I have over 100 hours in Skyrim. It's a great, great game. And even if the graphics are kind of trash, even if the combat is kind of clunky, for all those misgivings and things I don't like about the game, it was still captivating. The exploration, the pure exploration in Skyrim is almost second to none. We're in control... They do have the really cool things when you discover a new part of the oldest house where it pops the text on the screen. I like that a lot. And, of course, the music sequence at the end of Control that I won't spoil. Um, Or I guess the Ashtray Maze, that's what it's called. Yeah, that whole sequence was really spectacular and I loved it. But, like, gee willikers. The Elder Scrolls is the it's not even that the elder scrolls is a big deal it's skyrim skyrim is the game like when you think fantasy open world exploration on anything that isn't a nintendo device you think skyrim skyrim is that game that just gets dragged into your head where control feels like a quirky game that is like oh yeah that's a cool little game but skyrim you would never say oh that's a cool little game because it is a behemoth but I feel like that's due to the reputation of the game more than the game itself. Where, yes, the game's great, but, like, it feels unfair to hold that to these games when they do. They are games in and of themselves, so it's more than just about the reputation. Um, Gee, Willikers, this is hard. Control versus Skyrim. Control versus Skyrim. I feel like Skyrim makes a lot of sense. It, I think we're in a similar crossroads where... My brain wants to say Skyrim, my heart wants to say Control, but the thing I think it is, is that my heart doesn't really think, my heart doesn't want to bend to the whim of everyone else, because Skyrim is a choice that makes sense. So I think my heart just doesn't want to do the thing that makes sense, where my heart doesn't feel so strongly about Control. You know what I mean? Where it's not like, oh man, Control is such a great game, I have to vote for it. It feels like, no, I'm voting for it because I don't want to vote for Skyrim because that's obvious. That's what it feels like right now. And I don't think that's fair either. So I'm just going to do the thing that I'm already thinking I should do and that I actually feel pretty good about doing. We're going to vote for Skyrim. Sorry, Control, you will get your day in the sun, but Skyrim's going to win this round. Battle number 262, Guacamelee versus Control. And yet again, Control's going to take an L. Um, Guacamelee, Guacamelee, man, I know it's not as original, I know, 
you know, graphically it's inferior, all this other stuff. But Guacamelee is the game that I defined a Vita as, and it's one of the most satisfying platformers ever played. Um, just a fantastic, fantastic game all around and a really intense and satisfying, except for one trophy that really took way too long to grind. Um, it is a very satisfying platinum experience as well. Both of these games are satisfying platinums, but um, I think Guacamelee just made me step up to the plate in a way that I kind of enjoyed a little bit more where control was pretty much just like, all right, you beat the game. Now go back, do some side quests, find a couple collectibles and you're done. Uh, so yeah, Guacamelee is going to win this one. I'm sorry, control. You deserve some more shine, but that's what it has to be. So Guacamelee it is. Battle number 263, Doom 2016 versus Control. Why is this forcing me to shit on Control? <laughs> I feel so bad. Um, yeah, I love Doom, man. Doom's just so great. I've talked about it. Doom was my favorite game of 2016. Um, and it just incorporates so many aspects of games I love. The first-person shooter stuff, the Ratchet and Clank weapon wheel, or I guess just the Insomniac weapon wheel trademark. Um that's in there and just a fast place gunplay and the collectibles being very similar to Ratchet and Clank. I I think Doom 2016 is a fantastic game. And the multiplayer was great too. I really liked the multiplayer in Doom 2016. But control mm, I can't say nothing about control. I've already talked about control to death. But yeah, I gotta vote for Doom. I'm sorry, Control. I am so sorry. I feel like trash, but I gotta vote for Doom. That's what my heart wants. That's what my brain wants. I gotta do it. So Doom it is. Battle number 264. Wolfenstein 2. The new losses versus Control. I am fucking over Control so badly. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry, Remedy. I am so sorry. You guys deserve so much better. But I have to vote for Wolfenstein 2 here. Like, I know there are problems with that gameplay. Yes. But, God. The, the narrative of Wolfenstein 2 just blows me out of the water. Just thinking about the stuff that they pull off in that game with total confidence, unflinching, unflinching in their creative choices. I just love that about Wolfenstein 2 so much. I love how bold it is in a way where control is cool, it's weird. But the thing about it is Wolfenstein 2 doesn't feel like it's following a trend. It doesn't feel like it's following a playbook or anything. Wolfenstein 2 just feels like it's out there because it wants to be out there. Where Control, it's out there because Twin Peaks was out there. It's out there because that SCP Reddit, I forget what it's called, but the Reddit that, you know, the whole idea of the oldest house is based off of, that whole subreddit, that whole website, those like creepypastas and stuff, it's inspired by that. Where the inspirations for Control, I can see them on it wears it on its sleeve a little bit more than Wolfenstein 2 does. Or maybe it's just me not recognizing a lot of the inspirations for Wolfenstein 2. It could just be on me and my lack of, you know, media literacy, where I haven't seen every movie, read every book, seen every show, all that good stuff. But like, yo, Wolfenstein 2 just goes so hard narratively in a way where Control narratively was super weak. Like, as far as just the main quest it just didn't really do much for me. It's all that side content that really, you know, made me perk up and control. So because of that, ah, man, this really stinks, but I got to do it. Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus wins. So sorry, control. God damn it. Battle number 265, Tales from the Borderlands versus Control. Ah, man, I'm really going to just just fuck Control, man. This Control is just getting washed. Um, Tales from the Borderlands just has that excellent story. 
Um, once again, this is very similar case to Wolfenstein 2. Where Wolfenstein 2 just had flawed gameplay. It, it didn't have no gameplay. Where Tales from the Borderlands, it doesn't technically have no gameplay. It's just the gameplay is such a minor part of the experience. And it's just so minimalistic that there's really not much to report home about when it comes to the gameplay of Tales from the Borderlands. Um, Control has a lot of gameplay intricacies and stuff. But when it comes right down to it, Tales from the Borderlands, just that narrative just blew me away so much more than anything in Control. And I think that's where I got to come down on it. I'm so sorry, Control. I hope we get to do right by you soon. But I got to I gotta vote for what I got to vote for. And Tales from the Borderlands is going to win this one. Battle number 266, Ratchet and Clank 2016 versus Control. Thank fucking God I can finally give Control its proper due. Um, I've already talked about Ratchet and Clank 2016. Love that game. I think it is a great refinement of that formula and a great revisiting of everything that made that series great. But Control, I've already said, so many unique ideas, uh, really exciting, fast gameplay. Love that stuff. Love those characters and colors, arts, aesthetic. Everything about Control is great. And I'm going to vote for it. Just because Control feels less derivative than Ratchet and Clank 2016 does, I'm going to vote for Control. Thank God I finally got to give it something. Jesus Christ. Battle number 267 at 57% sorted. So we are making our way through this, y'all. Um, it's going to be Ratchet and Clank 2016 versus Deep Rock Galactic. Ah, <sighs> shit. Um, how high does Deep Rock Galactic go? That's the question here. Um, Ratchet and Clank 2016. Literally, I can't think of a single flaw with that game. Like, that game is... I don't want to say Ratchet and Clank 2016 isn't perfect, but like there's not a negative thing I have to say about it. Where Ratchet and Clank, everything in Ratchet and Clank is good to different degrees. Where Deep Rock Galactic, every mm, I don't know if I like Deep Rock Galactic because it's a great game. <laughs> Excuse me. I don't know if I like Deep Rock Galactic because it's a great game per se, which it is. I think I like it more that it's a unique game. It has a lot of quirks and personality. Where just the just the mixture of Minecraft mixed with Left 4 Dead mixed with like Starship Troopers, you don't get games with that are pulling from those corners of uh, media. You really don't get games that are like that, and that's why I like Deep Rock Galactic. Where yes, it's fun to play, but that passed the basic check because I was already in love with the concept and everything about the game up front. The fact that it's fun to play is icing on the cake. For Ratchet and Clank, I expected it at a baseline to be fun to play. And the fact that it just refines and just gives you everything you wanted in the best package it ever has been, it's great. But I think Deep Rock Galactic, if you think about Deep Rock Galactic, this isn't one of those games that surprised me because, oh, it, it in the same way that we talked about with Portal, where the ending of Portal was kind of spoiled for me and all that stuff and it kind of brought it down. There's nothing to spoil about Deep Rock Galactic. It's a multiplayer shooter. Just the surprise comes when you hear about it and when you hear this interesting mix of all these different gameplays, um, all these different gameplay styles, I should say, and you hear that it works. And then when you play it, you're like, oh shit, it does work. And it's actually really fun and very repeatable. And, you know, all these positive things you can say about Deep Rock Galactic. That's the feeling I'm getting about Deep Rock Galactic, where it surprises you by just how good it is, rather than some crazy twist or some crazy gameplay twist or narrative twist. None of that. It just surprises you because you're like, oh, all these things blended together and it works? Yeah, it does. And it proves that to you in every match. 
Um, and because of that, <laughs> I think I'm voting for Deep Rock Galactic here, y'all. I know it feels wild. I know I'm going off the fucking deep end, it seems, but, and I love Ratchet and Clank so much, but really when it gets down to it, Deep Rock Galactic is where it's at. So yeah, Deep Rock Galactic is going to win this one. Wow. Can't believe I would have done that. Battle number 268, Ratchet and Clank 2016 versus the club. (laughs) And I think this is where we start being real about the club. Because every time the club pops up, I'm always like, oh, yeah, one of my favorite games. I love it. I love it. I love it. This is where we have to get real, because for as much as I love the club, it would be a travesty. Because what do I love about the club? I love that one narrative. I, or not narrative. I love that one gameplay concept of mixing a racing game with the shooter. I think that's a great idea. I think it's awesome. Ain't nothing about the art design I like. Ain't nothing about the characters I like. Ain't nothing about the narrative that sticks out. Really, the only thing that holds water for me personally about the club is the gameplay. And the gameplay is awesome, but Ratchet and Clank is a gorgeous game. Ratchet and Clank has a has really interesting three-dimensional characters. Like Ratchet and Clank is a fantastic game, despite it being super derivative derivative of everything else in the series. It is a fantastic, immaculately made game. Where the club isn't a badly made game by any means. It just doesn't stick out outside of its core gameplay conceit. So because of that, I have to vote Ratchet and Clank 2016 for this one. I love the club a whole lot, and I'm going to vote for another matchups, I'm sure. But really, when it comes down to it, Ratchet and Clank is just... I could see someone, like, like for a while there, I had Ratchet and Clank as my favorite game in the whole series before I retracted it and went back to Cracking Time. That I, I can see that being a justification, where in the club, I can't see that being a justification. You saying the club is your favorite game of all time, when all these other games exist, that's just harder to believe. So, yeah, we're going to go ahead and vote for Ratchet & Clank 2016 on this one. Who Watch Dogs 2 versus the club for Battle 269. Um, also, shout out 69. <laughs> uh, gee, Willikers, man. I think we have to go back to what we said earlier. The club has that one gameplay conceit that I find so strong and so special. Watch Dogs 2, great characters. That narrative was very compelling. Um, And I think, yes, it's one of those like, oh, you can stealth or you can shoot. But really, this is a game where the shooting isn't bad. It's just not rewarding. Like the shooting is just a way to get out of to stop yourself from dying rather than a way to get satisfying gameplay. Um, where the stealth in Watch Dogs 2, I think, was so unique. Where you could just, you could do the crouch thing and get behind cover, or you can pop out your drones and sneak around and take out a couple enemies or change the environment, turn off some cameras, hack into some things. There were a lot of different gameplay options in Watch Dogs 2, and that's what I really liked about it. Um, and I think I'm gonna have to vote for it over the club. Just because it had more options, it had a lot more to do, a lot of characters, a lot more character than the club. The club is a pretty generic game when you think about it, but it just has that one gameplay idea that kind of makes it unique. Watch Dogs 2, everything about that game just oozes with personality. So yeah, we're going to go ahead and vote for Watch Dogs 2. Battle number 270, Infamous 1 versus the club. Um, this is another case where it's pretty easy for me. Uh, Infamous 1, uh, just gameplay-wise, just so much stronger than the club. And really, that's the nail in the coffin for the club, because the club, it has that really interesting gameplay element of, like I said, racing game mixed with a third-person shooter. But 
that gameplay isn't as strong as Infamous's gameplay, where it's not just the options of gameplay in Infamous, but it's just the the movement system, the environment in which you're doing it all. Like all of that makes that game so much more fun to play than the club. Um, where I still want to get a quick hit of the club, but Infamous, I could play that type of combat system for hours and hours on end, where the club is in these bite-sized segments, and I think it should be, because otherwise then you would start seeing some of the bare-bonesness of its gameplay. So yeah, we're going to vote for Infamous on this one. Battle number 271, Saints Row 2 versus the club. Hmm. G. Willikers. I think we're going to have to vote for, man, actually, let me let me talk it out for just a second. Saints Row 2, narratively, had some highlights. Gameplay-wise, is a big highlight for me. But really, it's that progression that I like about Saints Row 2. Re- like, that feeling I got at the end of the game, once I owned all the territories, once I unlocked all the stuff, spent all my money on every upgrade, and I just had it all. And just that satisfying feeling that I have accomplished everything in this game that I possibly could. That was just an, a great, great feeling to have. And it's a great feeling in any game, but it just felt really good in Saints Row 2. Just working your way up and knowing when you've actually hit the top. That's just awesome. So to say the club is better, the club is a more shallow experience, certainly. But Saints Row 2. Hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. There's my traditional nose stuff that's going on. Jesus Christ. One of these days, I'm going to not have congestion in my nose. Don't know when that day's coming, but hopefully it's soon. Mm. Excuse me. Anyway, Saints Row 2 versus the club. Jesus Christ, this is really hard. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say... Ah, uh, man. The thing about Saints Row 2 is that I'm having a similar situation. Like earlier when I said I was hating on Bioshock because it wasn't Bioshock 2. Right now I'm hating on Saints Row 2 because it's not Saints Row 4. Like the fact that, yes, there's all these aspects and the skeleton of Saints Row 4 is in Saints Row 2 in some way. But it still isn't Saints Row 4. The things that they added are the reason I love Saints Row 4. But Saints Row 2 is still a great game, a very solid game. Just It's just not Saints Row 4. And I think that's what I'm getting to in the club, where the club is super special to me in a way that Saints Row 2 isn't. Saints Row 2 feels like another open world game, where the club feels like a very specific, a very special and unique thing. And I think that's going to make me vote for the club. I it's, it's weird, I know, but I have to do it, man. I got to do it. So let's go ahead and give it up for uh, the club over Saints Row 2. That feels so fucking wild, but I got to do it, man. I got to follow my heart. Battle number 272, Saints Row 2 versus Ape Out. Whew. Gee willikers. Um, I think this is going to go to Ape Out yet again. Um, Yeah, I got to vote for Ape Out here. Yeah, I love Saints Row 2. And like I said, the progression characters, all that good stuff. But ape out is just such a once again it's more unique i feel like ape out is just a more unique package you know artistically musically even gameplay wise to a certain degree it just sticks out a lot more in a really positive way so because of that excuse me yeah because of that i'm gonna go ahead and vote for ape out for battle number 272 battle number 273 saints row 2 versus warhawk Whoo shit 
now we're thinking with portals. Um, I like Saints Row 2 a lot. I like Warhawk a lot. I think Saints Row 2 wins this one. Um, because for as much as I enjoy Warhawk, it is still... How do you say? Warhawk is very one note. Like, the progression in Warhawk, you never felt like you were getting better. Like, yes, you could get better at aiming, and you can get better in all the in flying and all the natural ways that you get better at a game just by performing the actions in a more precise way. But in Saints Row 2, you felt like you never you weren't always upgrading your own character. Like, yes, they had health upgrades and stuff, but it felt more impactful when you were upgrading your own uh, your weapons and stuff. Like from going, you could go from a Uzi that only had like what twenty rounds to a Uzi that had. 30 rounds, then 50, then 100, and then it didn't even have a clip, and you just shoot the ammo without reloading. Like, and then you could re- you could reduce the reload speed to the point where it was almost instant, and then that eventually just re- removed the need for uploading, um, or reloading, sorry. Um, yeah, it, you could just upgrade your, your tools in that game to such an insane amount, which is what made that game super fun for me in Saints Row, where Warhawk, yes, a lot of the DLC vehicles were de- delightfully insane um and they also had a lot of i don't know there was a lot of good stuff in warhawk and a lot of power weapons that were really cool to use and all that good stuff but i think when it comes down to it saints row 2 is just more impactful to me where warhawk is like oh yeah that was a fun experience i used to play and i have a lot of positive memories but saints row 2 still feels real it still feels like yesterday when some of those moments in the story happen or you know when some of those gameplay scenarios happen Saints Row 2, I can feel it in my bones, where Warhawk feels like a distant memory, despite me knowing for a fact that I've enjoyed it. So yeah, Saints Row 2, and I know I played these games literally years ago. I feel like for Warhawk, is maybe a decade ago, and Saints Row 2 is probably close to that. Um, But ultimately, Saints Row 2 is going to win this one because it's just better, man. I don't know what to tell you. Saints Row 2 is an excellent, excellent game. Um, and Warhawk is as well, but Saints Row 2 has just that slight edge, so we're going to vote for it here. And we're also at 58% sorted, which I forgot to say, so yeah, shout out to that. Whoo, here we fucking go. Battle 274. PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale versus Warhawk. God damn. Here's the question. How high or how low is PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale going to be? Um, cause that is one of my favorite games. It's just the idea of the game. I enjoy more than the actual game, which I feel like isn't fair, but is probably the truth. Um, so that's one part of it, but Warhawk is Warhawk was a lot of fun, man. I had a lot of fun at Warhawk, just driving, shooting, even being passenger on some of these vehicles when, when someone's flying, who actually knows what they're doing. All that stuff was just a blast, but how do I like it more than PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale? I think what it comes down to is PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale, just the hype of that game and just the existence of it. And plus, I've had plenty of sessions playing it with people that were super fun. So I think that's what it comes down to. PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale, that concept I love more than the actual gameplay of Warhawk. I think I love that concept so much and wish someone would come back and execute on that concept even more perfectly. Um, or they didn't do it perfectly better than they executed it last time. Um, I, I love that idea so much and it works very well in the gameplay and all the characters were fun to play or just about almost all the characters were fun to play. 
I have to vote for PlayStation All-Stars here. I love Warhawk. I respect Warhawk. But PlayStation All-Stars gets the win right here. Oh, wow. Two different games here. Um, battle number 275 at 59% sorted. Wow. That jumped up very quickly. I feel like we were at 58 not too long ago. Um, this one is Titanfall 2 versus Astrobot Rescue Mission. Wow. Uh, Titanfall 2 versus Astrobot Rescue Mission. Um, gee willikers. Titanfall 2 is going to win this one. What, what am I even hesitating for? Um, I love Titanfall 2 so much. I've talked about how much fun that is to play no matter what time of day it is. Where Astrobot Rescue Mission, it is one of the most impressive games I've ever played, but that impression that first impression is only going to stick the first time where Titanfall 2 is just consistently wowing to me just in the way that God, I'm still having a blast with this all these years later. So yeah, we're going to go ahead and vote for Titanfall 2 on this one. All due respect to Astrobot, but you've gotten plenty of props. So you know what it is. Battle number 276, Shadow of the Colossus versus Astrobot Rescue Mission. Wow. Okay. I was afraid that these two games were going to clash eventually because uh, I like these games for very similar reasons. They both impress me so much and just surprise me with their scale so much. But which one is more impressive to me? I think I have to go with the classic here, y'all. Shadow of the Colossus, I think, gets this one because yes, that instant like, think about Astrobot. The first time you get into a level and the entire level is surrounding you in first person, yes, that's a really cool feeling, but the first time you get to Shadow of Colossus and you're like, wow, this whole living being is the level and I have to conquer it rather than, oh, this is the level I play through. Oh, it's cool to be in here. Instead of you going to a location, instead of the level being a location, in Shadow of the Colossus, the level is a thing. And you have to conquer that thing. And you have to figure out how to even get on that thing in order to conquer it. And I think that's so cool about Shadow of the Colossus where, yes, I think it's... I mean, actually, people really haven't taken too much from Shadow of the Colossus as far as gameplay and design. So I can't even say that. Um, yeah, I know it's kind of a generic thing to say Shadow of the Colossus is great, but... It, it is. It's great. Like, there's no qualms about it. Shadow Colossus is one of the greatest games of all time for a reason. And Astrobot Rescue Mission is a fantastic game still. But let's get real here. It's not Shadow the Colossus. So I have to go ahead and give it up for Shadow of the Colossus. Who boy. Feels weird to vote for it, but I got to do it. Ugh. All right. Battle number 277. The Last of Us versus Astrobot Rescue Mission. Gee willikers, um, y'all, this one's gonna be hard to do. Um, ah, oh, shit. Do I vote for? Yeah, the Last of Us has to go over Astrobot, man. And I love Astrobot so much. And I think this is the string of votes that's all gonna be against Astrobot. But Last of Us is just that classic, man. I tell you, I say it every time it pops up. That story is still fun to come back to, and the gameplay. In the multiplayer, especially, is still solid as hell. It still holds up incredibly well, better than anybody really remembers or expected. Um, I, I just love The Last of Us so much overall. Or Astrobot Rescue Mission, it was super delightful playing it the entire time, but The Last of Us sticks with me more whenever I think about it. Like, I get excited about 
Here's the thing, man. I don't get excited about The Last of Us when people talk about it. Mainly because it's The Last of Us, man. Everyone loves The Last of Us. No one's going to be like, oh, yeah, The Last of Us. Well, there is at least one person that says The Last of Us sucks. And I'm not going to call them out because I'm not going to put a hate mob on them. But you know who you are, Cam. Um, and that's all I'm going to say on that. Um, yeah, The Last of Us, it's, it's, it's hard to get enthusiastic about talking about The Last of Us because everything that you could say about that game has been said because it's one of the greatest games of all time and everyone loves it. Astrobot Rescue Mission feels like a quirky choice. It feels like a more unique thing to say just because it's not talked about as often. And so I'm more excited to talk about Astrobot. But The Last of Us, it's one of those things that I'm, this is going to sound bad, but stick with me here. The Last of Us is one of those games that I begrudgingly adore, where I love it so much, and I think it is so special, and I think it is so great and so impactful for me personally. But everyone feels that way. Literally, damn near everyone who tries The Last of Us feels that exact same way about it, where it blows them away in the same way. So it's not fun or cool to be a fan of The Last of Us, but I just am. Like, I can't help it. It's just that good. And it's not even that, like, anything about the game turns me off. And it's not like, you know, I'm begrudgingly loving the game. It's just not a game that I'm like, it's not like how I always talk about the club. And I'm like, oh, yeah, the club's really solid. You should try it. That's an that's a quirky thing. Like, someone talking about the club, it's like, what the fuck's the club? And you look it up and either you're like, oh, shit, that's awesome. Or what the fuck is he talking about? But either way, you have a feeling about that. With The Last of Us... Nine times out of ten, if someone's talking about it to you, you've already heard of The Last of Us. You know what The Last of Us is. Where Astrobot Rescue Mission, that has a higher likelihood of... Oh, wait, what's Astrobot? Oh, PSVR? No, I don't have one. What is it? Oh, that sounds really cool. Like, that's a more interesting conversation you can have. But The Last of Us, it kind of stops right there at the The Last of Us. And that name speaks for itself. Um, I say all that to say Last of Us wins here. I love Astrobot Rescue Mission, and it is probably a more unique game overall and has more unique ideas. But my love for The Last of Us is just bigger, man. And I, it hates me to say it because I know that's not a unique take at all, but it is what it is, man. The Last of Us is going to win this one. Battle number 278, Near Automata versus Astrobot Rescue Mission. And I think we are in the same... Actually, these are both similar. These are both very, very high tier games that I talk about in the upper echelon of my favorite games all the time. But Nier does it a little bit more. And well, I will say also they share both of these games share the fact that they're quirky in how good they are. Where not every where I think at this point everyone loves Nier Automata if they've played it. But that's the thing. A lot of people haven't played both of these games. So when you say, Oh yeah, I love Nier Automata. Wait, what's Nier Automata? Oh, it's blah 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 blah. Oh, that sounds cool. Same thing with Astrobot. But it Nier Automata is just blew me away more. Like Astrobot impressed me with the scale and just the way it uses some of those cool uh, motion mechanics and stuff. Excuse me. And how it use, utilizes VR as well. I think all of that's really awesome in Astrobot. But Nier Automata just structurally, just with the game design of Nier Automata. It just revolutionizes how I think about playing games and stuff. Like, it just does things in these really off-the-wall ways where I'm like, wait, you can do that in a game? And they ship that? <laughs> like, there's a lot of concepts and stuff that are really unique, really specific to Nier Automata that I really like. Um, 
And as much as I appreciate and love Astrobot Rescue Mission, Nier Automata, I'm just more hype about overall. Like, I'd be here for a sequel for any of these games, but Nier Automata is like that upper echelon of games that just blew my fucking mind and made me happy to be a person who enjoys games. So yeah, Nier Automata is going to win this one. Battle number 279. Ooh, we're at 59% sorted. I'm pretty sure I said that, but yeah, we're at 59% sorted. Uh, 279 is Inside versus Astrobot Rescue Mission. And I think this is finally time for Astrobot to get its props. Um, I love Inside. I've already talked about how great I think Inside is. But Inside, yes, there's Inside is like a very slow burn. Like, it shows you some creepy aspects of the environment and you feel fear and things are brooding underneath the surface for a lot of Inside. And, you know, you feel like you're kind of distant from the true danger of it until there's a certain moment towards the middle of the game. I'll say it's underwater. You probably know the moment. But everything, the danger in Inside seems beneath the surface before you are dragged underneath that surface. Um, and that's when things really start getting crazy. And I love Inside for that. But Astrobot Rescue Mission, that game, how do I say this? Astrobot Rescue Mission is is just a delight. Like Inside, I you don't know how to feel until probably about halfway through when you realize, oh wait, shit's happening. Astrobot Rescue Mission, from the first level, that game puts a smile on your face. And that smile stays consistent throughout the entire experience in all aspects of the game. Because there's so much personality in every movement, every jump, every obstacle, every little interaction with the touchpad and the DualShock 4. Every single thing about that game just oozes charm at every single level and i know this is a weird matchup because inside versus astrobot rescue mission like what the hell like those are polar opposites totally but astrobot rescue mission is just there's so much work done in that game to make everything be of a consistent tone where inside it is very similar in the fact that every single part of that game is meant to be consistent in the same tone but those interactions are so much more minimal because it is a 2d game it is a flat game where Astrobot Rescue Mission can use the VR of PSVR to illustrate that charm in so many different ways. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Astrobot Rescue Mission for this one. Battle 280, Inside versus Shadow Warrior 2. Huh, this one's interesting. Uh, this might be controversial, or not might be, it probably certainly is controversial. So, you know, it is what it is. But like I said, I gotta vote for my heart. And my heart, whew, do I want to say it? Do I want to say it? Why do I feel like I'm about to really ruin someone's day right now? Um, I think I'm going to have to go for Shadow Warrior 2. <laughs> and I know that seems crazy because Inside's a fantastic, fantastic game. But Shadow Warrior 2 is, y'all know I love shooters. Y'all know I love looter shooters. Or I love loot. And I love shooters. Shadow Warrior 2 is the greatest combination of those two things because it doesn't overwhelm me with the loot. Like, especially in my age now, I hate being overwhelmed by anything. Like, these games that are super long, like these 100-hour games, they terrify me. That's why I haven't touched Assassin's Creed Odyssey yet, because that game terrifies me. Open-world games scare the hell out of me. Uh, same reason why I don't watch television shows most of the time, because it's instead of it being two hours and I'm gone, it's eight hours over multiple seasons like 
it's a lot of commitment there. But Shadow Warrior 2, instead of it saying, oh, here's a million different guns, here's a bunch of different permutations of loot here. Instead of doing it, any of that, it's like, all right, here's like a couple dozen guns. And I think my headset just turned off, <laughs> which I didn't think would happen. Um, wow, I think the, uh, I don't know what you call it, the, I don't know. Oh, the uh, the timer, because it has a timer going where it goes for two hours and then it turns off. I've been talking for more than two hours now, I guess. So, hey, that's interesting. Um, anyway, Shadow Warrior 2, it doesn't overwhelm me with the loot. It only has a handful of guns, like less, like a couple dozen guns rather than millions. Um, and each of those guns can have different stats on them. And that's where they come with the big permutations of loot. But those don't feel as permanent of a choice where you can slot them out individually you can experiment with them a lot more often rather than it being, oh, I got to get a whole new different gun and learn how the sight looks and learn how the recoil works. And it doesn't change as many aspects of the comfort of the gameplay. And I really love that about Shadow Warrior 2. And yes, because it's ultra violent, that gunplay feels a lot better. Um, and yeah, all the stuff I said before. And yes, the story in Shadow Warrior 2 is silly, ridiculous nonsense and the characters or whatever, and I don't care about them. But it just feels so fucking good to play. Shadow Warrior 2 is just an excellent playing game. And I think because of that, I have to vote for it over Inside. Or as much as I love that crazy ending and the deep brooding sense of, or just the foreboding nature of Inside is really appealing and really cool. But Shadow Warrior 2 is just a dream to play in a way that Inside isn't a, it's not a chore to play, but the gameplay doesn't stick out about Inside. Shadow Warrior 2 is just, it's just a great game. So I got to vote for Shadow Warrior 2. Battle number 281. God, they're really making me choose between my babies. Inside versus Sunset Overdrive. Um, I think this is going to go again to the same side of Sunset Overdrive, man. Sunset Overdrive isn't necessarily my favorite gameplay. Like the traversal systems, I think, are just a little bit clunky here and there. But I love the tone. I love those characters. I love how over the top it is. I love its punk rock fuck you attitude. Uh, I love the color palette. It's just so bright and colorful. I love everything about those aspects of Sunset Overdrive. Um, and I've talked about Inside. I, I love what I love the parts of Sunset Overdrive. Or sorry, I've talked about Inside. And I love the parts of Inside that I've talked about. When it comes down to it, Sunset Overdrive just appeals to me overall more than inside so i'm gonna have to vote for it here i really feel like i'm doing inside dirty low-key right now but it is what it is i gotta vote for what i gotta vote for and i like sunset overdrive more than inside and i know that to be true in my heart so we're gonna click it wow and that's it <laughs> for this episode of the uh keeping it 100 podcast because we have reached 60 percent sorted for battle 282 and i will be revealing what this matchup is on the next episode of course i'll give you a hint i'm picking between two of my babies again and um you guys will be seeing what that episode will be so yeah this is going to be the end of the show but before we head out of here just a little bit of housekeeping here. I want to give you guys just a little bit of heads up of what I'm planning on doing for the finale here. So, of course, this is episode five. We've reached one to si we've reached fifty percent to sixty percent sorting. So, next episode, episode six is going to be sixty to seventy. Seven is going to be seventy to eighty. Eighty is going to be ninety to one hundred. Wait, actually, I got that wrong. This is episode five. We just we just got the sixty. So, episode six is going to get to seventy. Episode seven is going to get to eighty. Episode 8 is going to get to 90, 
In episode nine, it's going to get to 100% sorted. Here's the issue, though. I want this, when I get to the final ranking, I don't want it simply to just be, oh, here's a Twitter thread of every game. Here's another podcast where we just read off the list of games. I want it to be a, I kind of want it to be a production. And I'm actually going to link, now this is rare. I, I try not to link to stuff on my personal YouTube too much because I'm proud of a lot of the stuff there, but it is very dated. And also this is the VGU website. You know, I'm making content for that website. So if I'm linking to my content, I'd like to link to it for that website. But I want to link to this video from 2016, or I think technically 2017, way back when I was first starting to make YouTube videos super seriously. Um, I made this video. Let me go ahead and put this in my notes so I know to include it in the links. Um, Game of the Year 2016 video. I made this video where I talked about my favorite games of 2016. And that was a more produced production where I had a top 10 list and I went through, I had written passages that I read for every game. Uh, I was on camera. I was hosting the whole thing. And, you know, I had a little segment for all the games that weren't on the list as well that I still really enjoyed. So, yeah, what I want to do is something similar to that. That video was about 20 minutes long. This one is going to be longer because instead of 10 games, we're going to be talking about 100 games. I, I kind of want to keep it around the same length as I did for these episodes. So this might be the longest episode of the podcast ever. Uh, it's going to be a little over two hours here. So, you know, enjoy that if you do. If not, sorry. <laughs> Don't know what to tell you. Uh, use that function on your podcast app that skips forward or speeds up the speed. Um, but in any case, I think I'm going to do that type of format. And how I'm planning on doing it is... Actually... I'm going to talk about specifics later. I do want to say that I, I want to make it something live to where, not live to where I have to sit there and be streaming and have a consistent internet connection. I think I want to do something similar to a YouTube premiere where I have a whole edited video that I've worked on over the last few weeks and then I'll put it live and then we can all watch it at the same time because I do want it to be an event. And I do also, with that Twitter thread idea that I had, because it's a premiere, I want to be able to tweet out the ranking so people can follow along on Twitter if they wish to and keep that consistent so that people can, you know, maybe within that hour or two hour gap that this video is going, they might hop on and, you know, see what's going on. And also, if I have a whole event that's rallied around the VGU YouTube channel, that can kind of get more eyes on there because there's a lot of our video content on that channel that people aren't really looking at, um, which I understand, you know, not, nothing against it, but I'd love to get some more eyes on there if I could. So, uh, yeah, I think overall that would just be a great idea. And then I can also, you know, do the thing that I really want to do. Now, as you guys know, this show we're doing, Keeping It 100, is very much a me-centric podcast. There's really not much opportunity or reason to get guests on here. But I do think I want to incorporate some visitors on the finale. So when we finally do have the set list of all these 100 games, that's where you guys are going to come in. So if you're listening right now, you enjoy the show, you've been listening for this whole duration... What I'm going to do, this is unofficial right now. I'm going to put out an official call on Twitter later for people to send me their videos. But I want you to think about all these games that I talk about in all these episodes. If you like any of these games, I'd love it for you to just record a very short video of you just talking about like, oh, yeah, I love 
I love Red Faction Guerrilla because of this, this, this. That game's great. Or I love a short hike because of this, this, this. Or I love Gone Home because of this, this, this. Any of the games you hear me talk about, the list is going to be available. I'll make a Twitter. I'll make a tweet to make this super official once we get closer to the end of sorting the list. But yeah, I'd love for you guys to send me short videos so I can include it in this uh, bigger, more production of uh, a video version of this show. And don't worry, if you like listening to this as a podcast, I will still have this available as a podcast. Do not worry about that. I will make sure and cut an audio version. But I will you know, encourage you guys to watch the YouTube version if you want to. I'm going to try not to have too many visual gags, but at a certain point, it's going to be unavoidable. So if you want to get the full production of it, you will have to watch YouTube, but you will get an audio clip. You will get an audio version in the feed once the video goes live on the premiere. And yeah, just send me videos, man. If you guys, you can send them in DM. If you really are antsy and you want to send them to me now, you can DM me on Twitter. My Twitter is always in the description of every episode of Keeping It 100. So you can DM me on Twitter with your video. Or, you know, just wait until I send out that official tweet and then you can just put them all in the replies and I'll gladly look at all the replies. Um, actually, I know how to download Twitter videos off of replies more than I know how to download them off of DMs. So maybe just do that. <laughs> so maybe just wait for that tweet. But I will say, go ahead and start thinking of these videos. You know, go ahead and start thinking of, oh, what game do I want to talk about? What thing do I want to say? You know, start, start having those things formulate in your mind now because i'm definitely going to come back and ask for those requests later so yeah that's that's what i'm thinking of doing and um not to make too many big grandiose promises and then not come around on them later but i am planning on um maybe giving some of these games away (laughs) so that those of you who heard about these games over the last few episodes can actually get to try some of them and find out why i like them so much firsthand so yeah, I got a couple of codes here and there, but I'm not going to say how many of these games. I am not going to buy a hundred video games just to give away to people because I do not have it like that financially. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking at stuff. I'm looking into things. So yeah, that's what I got right now. And that's pretty much the end of the episode. That's all I got to say tonight. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for just rocking with me for this episode. I appreciate the support that you guys have been giving the show. Appreciate the support you've been giving to VGU.TV. Um, there's a lot of great content on there. We always write stuff. You know, we got an Animal Crossing review up there. We got a, uh, a round table that we just had about music we associate with different games. Um, there's always some great stuff to read and to check out on that site. So I encourage you to do so. It will always be linked in the description of the podcast and or YouTube video, depending on where you're watching. And that's pretty much all I have for today. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for being great. Um, Like I said at the top of the show, be good to one another. Take care of yourself. Be safe. And yeah, we'll all make it through this and we'll make it to the finale. We'll make it. We'll eventually make it to the finale of Keeping It 100. So without further ado, this has been Emmett Watkins Jr., also known as EJ Spun 61 on all corners of the Internet. And I shall see you in the next one. And as I always say, keep it real, keep it drill. Peace out, y'all.